other's shoulders wearing an overcoat and i am tired of this shit <laughs> we came to talk shit and chew bubblegum yes and we're all out of shit so let's talk bubblegum we've mm, got some juicy fruit things to discuss this week uh including uh but not limited to uh the new injustice character roster that's been announced with a mm. very big surprise edition yes the league of gentlemen returning uh the joker Returning to his origins in a film. But the main attraction this week, we saw The Defenders. We're going to talk about it. And we saw The Dark Tower. And we wish we could forget about it. (laughs) So stick around. Plus some Rick and Morty bollocks, as usual. That's right. Rick and or Morty's bollocks. You want to feel them with a blindfold. One of Morty's. Guess who's is who's. Feel the weight. Oh, jeez. So, uh, let's, let's, let's get started, Matt. What, 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 what the fuck's going on in Hollywood, Sam? Oh, God. So, <laughs> as you, as you've already mentioned, <laughs> there is nothing after we die and uh, we should just live for the moment. Yeah, uh, we've been there, done that. Yeah. Um, but also. But also. <laughs> so, someone has decided that it's a good idea to go back and, and retell the Joker's origin as a movie. Because the Joker was the real breakout star of the hit action movie, Suicide Squad, and everybody wants more Jared Leto's tattooed gurning Joker. That's the thing that has been really popular with all the kids, so let's get Martin Scorsese to produce a prequel movie that tells you where the Joker comes from, which is literally the least interesting part of that character. And if that wasn't horrifying enough, they made things a little easier. They said, no, 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 this this won't be set in the DCEU. So my first reaction was, so what? No, no Jared Leto then? What? Okay. Wait, what? And then they said, yep, this is going to be the first of many films featuring DC characters that is not a part of the DC extended universe. So not only it is an origin story for the Joker... It's but not, it's, it's not even anything to do with the other movies. Uh, so it's a story that no one needs to know uh, that has no consequence to the thing they're trying to sell us on. But they've said it's Martin Scorsese uh, produced and it's being written by the guy who wrote The Hangover 2 and 3 because, you know, great references there for, for what could be done with the Joker. It's going to be a gangster movie. You ready for this? An origin of the Joker. Mm. A gangster movie set in the 1980s. Mm. So unless they're planning to just re-screen 1989's Batman in theatres, I'm not sure what the point of this movie existing is. I I would get angry, but I've got a hot cup of coffee in my hands and I don't want to burn my crotch. You could get angry below the waist. I'm always angry below the waist. And just like concave inwards. I've got some cream for that. (laughs) Like the reverse like reverse it's erection, fine. just turn into a turn into a cavern. <sighs> um, let's let's talk about something <laughs> that might be worth watching. Um, so we're going to talk about the defenders in a little bit and what we think of that. But at the end of the mm. defenders, we got a neat little treat in the first proper trailer 
for the Punisher series, which we are getting this year. Yeah, a trailer for something that is so close. Yeah. That's the nicest yeah. surprise. Now, the, the, the trailer, especially the version released online, sort of ends with a, a graphic that doesn't reveal the date proper, but since they've confirmed that it will be before the end of this year. Which I think was the rumour anyway, that it was going to be around November time. Yeah, uh, and so. also I think it's been confirmed that it's not a miniseries. It's a 13-episode series. Which I have conflicting thoughts about, because... Which I suppose partly we'll get into. Yeah, we'll get into but, that yeah. with Defenders. Um, and I think we've already talked about it, the way we talked about the the MCU Netflix shows already. But yeah, it, it, I'm interested to see what they do with the character. And John Bernthal's got a really good performance in this trailer. doesn't give you very much detail, but... It shows a shit ton of set pieces in snippets. Violence. Lots of violence. Hey kids, do you like violence? Do you want to see me push nine inch nails to each one of my eyelids? Violence a popping? Mmm. Violence <laughs> in this. Violence a plenty. Um, which I'm fine with because it's the Punisher. It's the freaking Punisher. The Punisher is not a noble character. He's a deranged psychopath. Yeah, if this paints him out to be some sort of misunderstood hero, then that I'll not will not be happy. Well, I think I think Karen Page's role in the series is continuing there because she De- Deborah Wolf is, is confirmed to be one of the main cast members. Yeah, so I think that's going to be continuing her arc with Frank Castle from Daredevil series two, where she is trying to basically stop him. She's trying to redirect his anger. Or stop his campaign completely. But at a certain point, like... So it might not be misunderstood hero, but it might be more, uh, look, you don't need to do this, and I'm going to prove to you you don't need to do this. The thing that gets me, though, is at a certain point, like, is he worth redeeming? Oh, God, no. No, no, the the Punisher's ultimate redemption should be going to jail for the murders he's committed. Mm. Um, And based on people who've died in his wake, some would argue the ultimate redemption would be in being put to death. No, it depends on your feelings on the death penalty, but yeah. Yeah. Well, it depends, yeah. It, it sort of, they made very clear in Daredevil that he was only out to take out the corrupt people and the people who follow their lead. Mm. That's when you get to the moral grey area, because you're like, what if they're there, at, like, what if they don't want to be there and they've been forced into it, and you're just killing them and going, they're all the same! But that's what's compelling about his character. In a world, in the comics, in a world of superheroes and people with moral compasses and you know, like, defend and protect people and, and stop the supervillains, like, that's their thing. He is this fascinating, like, like, wrench in the machine. He's a good guy who kills bad guys. I mean, he isn't a good guy. But though. he isn't a good guy, yeah. It's like he's he's doing it because he wants to stop other people. He's Batman if Batman were gun-happy, essentially. <laughs> It's like, horrible thing happened to my family, I'm going to take out the people who did it. Whereas Batman's thing is, horrible thing happened to my family, I want to make sure it never happens to anyone ever again. Whereas Punisher is like, I will stop it from happening ever again by putting a bullet in the cause. He doesn't, though. No, he doesn't. In fact, because... some would argue he escalates oh, their yeah, efforts. Oh, yeah, but he does. Um, just go and read Welcome Back, Frank. Yeah. Like, I've got it down oh, there. Just oh, go and read Welcome Back, Frank. So it's good. Mm. Welcome Back, Frank is amazing. And... Uh, like, again, and obviously it's earlier days, but when he first rocks up in Marvel, because he first shows up in Spider-Man, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. that issue there, I can see it on that poster. Yep. Um, he first rocks up in Spider-Man, and immediately the moral dilemma is played up at the very start of his first appearance. Mm-hmm. It's like, you shouldn't be doing this! <laughs> it's like, well, I'm going to do it because no one else will. I just can't wait to see more of John Bernthal. Yeah, he's really he good. He was so good in Daredevil. Because Daredevil Series 2 had that thing where it sort of played out as three separate arcs over the course of the series. Yeah. Like, you could separate it into... 
like the first four episodes, the next like six, the next three, um, and the first four was the Punisher arc. Um, it was so good, it was so freaking good. It was a very very good arc. I would be delighted if D'Onofrio popped up in this series in some way. I'm always delighted when D'Onofrio pops up pops up in the MCU Netflix shows. A bit like a little bald beaver. A very tall little bald beaver. Yeah, but if only the top of his head pops up, then he's like a whack-a-mole. Just <laughs> put him in a little outfit. Yeah. You saying your ideal reappearance of the kingpin in the MCU would just be Wilson Fisk's head poking out a little hole in a desk. Yeah. This city. Oh, damn it. This city. This city. This city. This city. This city. just missing him every time. This city. This city. This city. This city. Um, Punisher isn't the only little televisual surprise we're getting before the end of the year as well. Oh, no, no, senor. Guess what's returning to the screens of the BBC? Well, they did say you'll never leave. The League of Gentlemen is coming back to, uh, it seems, BBC Two before mm. the end of the year. We knew that this was happening, but we didn't know that it was, as confirmed this week, three episodes. This That's isn't half a, special. a full series. This isn't a special. <laughs> this is three specials. This is... This is Oh my god! Well, we don't even know how long they are. Like, are they half hours? Are they hours? Like, what's going it's on? It's three full nights. Oh god! Of yes, the League of Gentlemen. Yeah, they say it's returning for three episodes. What they're doing is they're just going to screen the three series in one yeah. go, one unedited chunk over three nights. I'd be happy with that. Um, the break okay for the Christmas that. special, twixt two and three. Um, <laughs> it's phenomenal. I just, I'm, I've. There are very few things where I have sort of gone full fanboy on it. And I think The League of Gentlemen's probably the most fanboyish I've been on something. Like it's very good. Going to the locations, joined the website when it first opened, the official website, I was a very active member of the forum. Like I just so the fact that this is happening makes me so freaking happy. It makes it make it it makes me reasonably happy. I just wanna know what stories they're gonna tell. Cause um, like all of the big catchphrase characters unquote are dead. Like, the, the ones that you stick on t-shirts and stuff are dead. Aside from one who's hiding in plain sight. And I wonder whether or not he's been there for ten years still doing what he was doing when we last saw him. But the rest of them, all dead. So, unless... When they first said special, I was like, it was going to be like a Christmas special sort of thing where, you know, we, you can tell tales of any of them because it's like, you know, an anthology like yeah. they did for the previous Christmas one. But now I'm wondering where they're going to go with it. Um... To the toppermost of the poppermost. <laughs> to the papa Lazarus Didn't work. Didn't work. But you nodded and smiled anyway, so I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. I, 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 I didn't want you to feel too bad about your abject failure to be funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do da, do da. <laughs> it's the original title of my, uh, my memoirs. Abject <laughs> failure to be funny. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's I I can't wait. I can't freaking wait. But you're gonna have to because it's not it's not out yet. That's true. I think the thing that excites me the most about it though is Jeremy Dyson is in it because it, it's a League of Gentlemen project. Yeah. So Jeremy Dyson is one of the writers on it. Yeah. Which is amazing because we've seen what Stephen Reese do like with Psychoville and Inside Number Nine. And we've mm. seen Mark go off and like work on dramas and stuff like Doctor Who and, and um, Sherlock and with, pop pop up and stuff like Game of Thrones with and, results. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, depends on who you partnered with, but partnering with Jeremy Dyson. Yeah. By Jingo. Um, so yeah, I I can't wait. I just cannot bloody wait. Um, and it's going to be so interesting to see what everyone's reaction is as well. Like, people who've never seen it before. Because there, there'll be people who will come to it because of Sherlock and because of Inside Number Nine. And there'll be 
the people who come to it because of Sherlock will be agog yeah. and aghast Good. and confused as to why there's no shipping happening. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Stop interrupting. That was our new robot sidekick. Uh, Dinky Donk. Better put my phone on silent, Anna. Oh, Dinky Donk. That would be something approaching professionalism. What are you doing, Dinky Donk? Um, Go back to the Clinky Clonk. I can tell you what Dinky Donk's doing. Oh. He's eagerly awaiting the next set of characters for Injustice 2. A game we've talked about at length. A game we both like and both still play. Yeah, and we're on the guild. Um, 2MHK0. Yeah. Um, sorry, hang on. Dinky Donk has wants and desires. Well, yeah. I think he's gone beyond simple programming, Matt. He's self-aware. We'll probably have to put him down. He's self-aware, but I keep him contained in his prison of metal and glass. <laughs> Silicon chains binding his digital soul. Why did we give him such a sad face? It's making me feel bad about this. I didn't give him a face. He fashioned it for himself. Oh, God. That's um, our intern. So who... <laughs> oh, God, we sent them in to check on him. <laughs> <laughs> we never saw them again, and now mm. he has a face. He likes to mask his cold body in the warm flesh. Um, oh, God! <laughs> Sorry, I just... I Oh, wow. The scenario I'm developing in my head right now is something I should probably not say out loud. Raiden. Beg your pardon? Which we knew about. We knew that was coming to Injustice. Can't help it. You look at the silhouettes on the character select screen, and there are two with a big, wide, disc-shaped head. I can't think of any <laughs> other DC character that would have a silhouette like that. Except for maybe Black Manta, if you squint. Who is the other character that's coming as part of this update? Yeah, so Raiden from Mortal Kombat. Raiden from Mortal Kombat. Black Manta from DC Comics. Black Manta from DC Comics. Who we knew was possible because he's in one of the, he's the in He's in the game, yeah. Already. I wonder what happens if you use that transition with Black Manta. Um, it's Aquaman. God. That would make sense. Good point. What if, if you use Black Manta and Aquaman? Then it's Ocean Master. You think? No. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised... Because remember, Martian Manhunter was in the back of the Watchtower um, arena in the first game. Then it's, and then he was brought out as a character. Then it's Mira. So when you play as him, he's not in the background. Is anyone there? Mira would be awesome. Uh, no. Hmm. Um, but then again, in the first game, like um, Mr. Terrific was in the background. And the Atom was in the background and hmm. stuff. So there are characters. I'm sure there are placeholders they could stick in there. And Mira still, would be an amazing Easter egg if they just put her in. There's still that little silhouette, which looks like the, the Atom, Atom, which yeah. isn't in this trailer. No, so the tell you who be. freaking is. <laughs> and is there a silhouette for this one? Because there is, but I I'd have to look at the screen again to figure out which one it is. Yeah. Knowing now what we well, I'm going to be playing to me just as too late today, so I'll have a look at that. Um, Hellboy. I know. Not a DC Comics character, a no. Dark Horse Comics character. Yeah. Original cr- creation of Mike Mignola. Yeah. Um, freaking one of yeah. one of Dark Horse's few original uh, IPs. They, mo- they mostly have licensed stuff. And certainly their most known original IP. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hands um, down. Depicted in what looks like sort of a mix of the Injustice 2 style, but very close to Mike Mignola's look. Yeah. He's got a bit more padding, a bit more like a bit more tactical look. Got a bit more, like got, a bit more legs. Yeah. <laughs> like he's, like, Mike Mignola tends to give him sort of like scrawny legs. Yeah, he's not, he's not sort of the... He's more traditionally humanoid as opposed to the sometimes sort of he's got that hunched demon-esque yeah. style when Mike Mignola draws him sometimes but he does have um, the skin like the face is very the much like that flat 
sort of like rounded off surfaces. And the right hand of doom. Yes. Um, and a cigarette, which annoyed Lou, because she's a big Hellboy fan. She was like, should be a cigar. <laughs> I don't know. My first question is... <laughs> It's a great announcement trailer. It's a great it's a announcement really trailer. cool And it's a real surprise. And they managed to keep it quiet. Yeah. Which doesn't happen very often. So like, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised at that. Red I'm and Sub-Zero that. get their asses kicked by someone with electric powers. And then Raiden walks in. You're like, oh shit. Yeah. And then Black Manta fires missiles at Raiden. And he dodges out of the way. Hellboy catches and we, yeah. one. Lights his cigarette with the tail end of it. And then releases it. And it's like, okay. It's pretty good. I'm, I'm down. My, my first question is. Yes. Are we going to get a premium skin for him to make him either Etrigan or Blue Devil? Oh, shit! I hadn't even thought of that! <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I hope. Because then... Now you say have, it, I hope. We'd, we'd either have Etrigan, who's, who's you know a Jack Kirby character and has been a, a thing for a while, or we'll have Blue Devil, who might be one of the most obscure DC yeah. characters. But you could definitely... Oh, wow. Oh my god! I hadn't even thought about that. Because <laughs> there's, there's no sign so far of the um, of the DLC characters having having the what they call. So I guess like premium skins or something. Premium skins, or, yeah. yeah. I don't know what they are. But if you're gonna start, what a good place to start. Mm. They're expensive though. Those premium skins. I still haven't bought any of them because source I, crystals are hard to come by. Yeah, I, I, my, one, my first purchase, I got a bunch of source crystals. I think it's because I got the deluxe edition. Yeah, I got I so, got some, and I think I got I think I actually I might have reverse flash. No, you get him anyway. Oh yeah, the ones you get the, the ones yeah. you get with the reverse flash Power it. Girl and um, John Stewart Green Lantern. Yeah, not to I be confused with John Stewart, uh, the journalist and then comedian. <laughs> the ones you've got to unlock, I like, which would be amazing. Is is what it's um, grid for cyborg. Grid for cyborg. Oh, you I get him. No rush to do. No, you get him when you link it to the mobile game. Really? Yeah. You link it to the mobile game. You oh, get I can't because my iPad's it, my iPad is literally one software thingy behind, and it won't accept the next Ooh, one. I'm, I'm sorry about that. <clears throat> yeah, um, I'm gonna kill things. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna smack a bitch. Um, right you um, oh, because I'm in such a rush to play as Grid. I tell you, you have that. to pay for um, <laughs> Mr. Freeze. Yeah, I got Mr. Freeze. I've got Bizarro. Uh, Bizarro Superman. for Superman. Yeah, he's a good one. And Vixen for Cheetah. Oh yeah, of course. Mm, I forgot she's, about that one. She's a nice one. The only you thing know, that I, I got, from... I got them because I think I think you can get a source crystal boost of like six thousand, seven thousand source crystals for it's like one pound seventy nine. So I, I splashed out on one because I was like, come on, I want to play as some of the other versions. Let's see. But I'm not in a rush to play as Grid. But I if mean, they suddenly went Hellboy could be Etrigan, I'd be like, yes, please, on the condition that his power then just becomes Clarion the Witch Boy walking into frame, stroking a cat and going. I'm Clarion the Witch Boy! And the other character goes, the fuck? <laughs> and then they just lose health out of complete bafflement. Clarion the Witch Boy. Yeah, but... um, my... <laughs> hmm. my... problem. My problem with the enhanced costumes is that the gear doesn't apply to them. Oh, no, you, That's you, why you I don't can, use but them. The, 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 yeah, not, visually. Not yeah, I mean visually, yeah. yeah. So it, it, it kind of robs some of the, the sort of the interest of it. For me. I see what you mean. I, I've sort of catered them in like my Supergirl is I've maxed out my Supergirl and she's um her defence and her uh ba, 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 health are the thing I've prioritised with my gear. Yeah. Power Girl is my second Supergirl slot and I've maxed out the um attack and, and uh abilities. Okay. So I, I I sort of use it as an alternate for 
based on the fight I want to do. I haven't really played with multiple slots yet because no Dirty one's bastard. at level 20 and no Dirty one's... Dirty bastard. Yeah, I've still not finished the story mode. I did a chunk of it last week. It is, um, it is a beautiful thing. I did the first two Brainiac fights. <gasps> so you knew the end? Yeah. It took, it took me forever to beat him as Batman. Yeah, oh I Jesus. Well, it's because it's it's you get you get a bunch of hits in, you're doing really well, and then he starts using the ship. Yeah. And it knocks off a third of your health each time. It's incredibly frustrating. It took me, um, I think, four goes on the first one with Batman to get him. Yeah. And even then, it was sort of just pure luck in that last one. It was pure freaking luck. I managed to just like get enough stuff in at the right time. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. And then so I read like, and then I replayed against him as Batman doing the doing the multiverse like tutorial world thing. Oh yeah. To the, get Batman's the, ending. Yeah. I played that on hard just to see. And no, I, I had to quit. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I can't do this. I can't do it's this. It's horrendous. Because obviously Brainiac in that horrendous. tutorial mode he can use the ship as well. It's it like, takes oh, less damage, yeah. does more damage. Yeah. Some of his attacks seem to be unblockable or I haven't worked out how to block him yet. I haven't worked out how to block start um Firestorm's ultimate yet. Hmm. That's a tricky one. Anyway, we're not here to talk about injustice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we were um, just then. But before, but, <laughs> but before we move on to the main section, there's just one more question I have about injustice too. Oh, go for it. Can you play as Nightwing? You know, because there's no there's no alternate skin for him, but he's in the story mode, and he's got a different move set to Robin. Yeah. Well, when when does Nightwing appear? He appears in the beginning, doesn't he? No, Robin appears at the beginning. Yeah. Which is the Robin that you can play as. That's right. And then. Damien appears throughout the rest of the story mode yeah. after Superman's freed. Yeah. But he's always Nightwing and he uses different moves. Oh, so the costumes. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they released it as a premium skin. Because that would make sense at least. Cause it's like, he's okay, got... it's still Damien, but it's a different skill set. But, yeah. but at the same time, I think if they're going to do Nightwing, they'd do Dick Grayson and make it a DLC. So that might be what they're doing. Like they're waiting for dick to be released as a <laughs> they're waiting for uh, dick grayson to come out maybe maybe he's oh there you go maybe he's one of the remaining characters that makes sense because he's a fan favorite and then you'd have all the robins minus we've only got po- minus poor old um tim 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 drake but uh yeah i don't know i don't flaming know anyway the continuity of that flashback at the beginning really fucks with things because it's not how things went down speaking of continuity Oh and um, oh a God. dogged adherence to it. Oh, God. Uh, for better or worse. We watched The Defenders. Yes, we did. We got coffee and we watched The Defenders. So we're going to talk about it briefly, non-spoilery, and then we'll, we're going to dive into some some sweet, rich, chocolatey spoilers. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So off the top of your head... Christopher. Yeah. I don't know why it took me so long to conjure the word head. I think you were picking which one. Yeah. <laughs> off, the, off the top of your organ, um, what did you think of the eighth episode Netflix team-up miniseries, Marvel's The Defenders, starring Marvel's Luke Cage, Marvel's Jessica Jones, Marvel's Daredevil, and Marvel's Iron Fist? Uh, if I were to sum it up into a noise, for example? Yeah. Um, it would probably be yeah like not bad but not amazing how about yourself it's alright yeah Yeah. it's fine it's It's, it's worth a watch I do do feel I do feel a little disappointed I feel like it could have been a bigger deal Um, yeah 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 and we'll get into the reasons why as we talk about it but um, 
It's fine. Yeah. I, I think you could quite I think you could quite happily watch episode one, two and three one, two, three and four, and then just skip to eight. I think you could do that and still get the most out of it. Maybe. Maybe. Um But you know, if you're gonna watch five, you may as well watch all eight. Um <laughs> Did you feel as if you were coming in underprepared without watching Iron Fist. Yeah, because this was our experiment, wasn't it? Yeah. It's like, you watched Iron Fist, I didn't bother. Because it's gash. Because it's gash. So I was like, let's see what happens Like when the Defenders comes out. I felt like I'd missed out on something, but it filled in the gaps really nicely. I mean, you've not missed out on much. No, no, but I mean, like, in terms of stories, the first couple of episodes went on, you were like, right, what is happening with that? And has the hand story, for example, advanced much more since I last saw them in Daredevil season two? But by like the fourth episode, you're pretty much filled in. You meet a character at one point who, having not watched Iron Fist, I didn't realise what the connection of the relationship was at first. Yeah. But then they explain it and you go, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, it having not watched Iron Fist didn't affect it. And as such... I didn't hate Iron Fist. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't like him either. <laughs> but I didn't hate him. Um, maybe it was because the show had a, had a slant already toward taking the piss out of him and his story. Which one wonders how much of that was intentional. Well, I, I, think, because... I think it might have existed before the, the fan backlash from his show. Yeah, because this was being shot like immediately after Iron Fist. Yeah, and two of the characters in it are already kind of like, wait, what? When it yeah. comes to the mystical stuff. So he would obviously be the one they take the piss out of. Because Daredevil's not going to be walking around going, yes, there's the hand, and they bring people back to life. And there's like the, like, I'm Especially not in like, that voice. Yeah, Hello, I'm the Daredevil. I'm the Daredevil. Daredevil, the boss. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't hate him. Uh, did you feel he was an improvement in this show? Yes. Did you feel that Colleen Wing was uh, done justice in this? Because she's something that people said was great from Iron Fist. No. Yeah, she's, I think she started out kind of cool in this. But I'll say, as someone who only knows that she's great from what everyone's told me about Iron Fist. Yeah. I came out of this going, well, they could have let her be great in this. Like, it would have been nice to let her do some... She didn't get anywhere near as much stuff. to do in this as she did in Iron Fist. Yeah. I mean, she did um, very briefly team up with Misty Knight. And there is the implication they're going to be working together going forward. Yeah. So, out of this air, we hopefully might have the birth of uh, Heroes for Hire, which would be great. Um, I've been wanting that since the start. Oh my god, could you imagine? Right, I know they're doing Luke Cage Series 2 and Iron Fist Series 2. I would happily have Luke Cage Series 2 and then no Iron Fist Season 2, but instead of Iron Fist Season 2, a Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Colleen Wing and Misty Knight show called Heroes for Hire. Heroes for Hire. That would be amazing. I would love because that's what that's what that. this incarnation of the, the defenders basically is. It's heroes for hire plus daredevil. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. That's a great description. Um, um, of it, well, obviously they can't call themselves heroes for hire because what happens in like they're not yeah. for hire in the show. It's yeah. not the way it works. Um, yeah. It's it's although considering the position everyone's in at the end of the series, aside from maybe Jessica and Luke, like. They might have to be a little bit more secretive with their lives going forwards. Yeah. And as such, maybe just becoming a private task force for services might be a good idea. Because then 
Nah, who knows? I don't know. Um, let's get into some brief non-spoiler thoughts on the plot. What do you think of the plot? Um, it's a plot. Yep. It's not a yep. particularly compelling plot. Yep. It's <laughs> not entirely a clear plot, mm-hmm. but it serves to move these characters together from action set piece to action set piece the majority of which are pretty good. Yeah. Um, it definitely shows that this is the Daredevil team behind this show, as mm. opposed to the Iron Fist team. Yeah. Uh, mainly because it looks like Finn Jones has had more than 15 minutes to learn his choreography. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, so, the fight, yeah, uh, let's, not, let's not, let's not, let's, let's not give the fights complete, like, praise, because some of them are underlit, and some of them yeah. are sort of, like, Jessica Jones should be able to throw members of the hand through walls <laughs> well, yeah. and yet there are several shots of her just sort of blocking and and punching a bit and grappling you're like i want to see her lob like two of these guys across a room i think that's what you to get do a with bit it, yeah. of but... i think that's more to do with her being under trained as opposed to yeah oh no but, but even so like the, the hand being as, as over skilled as they are like yeah if she grabbed one of them by the scruff of the neck and just chucked her arm outwards they're gonna fly yeah um but they do sort of a good job of establishing whose power sets like match who's here and who's got more power in this way and stuff so they do some interesting pair-ups as well yeah so like luke luke is clearly sort of made out to he is the wrecking ball of the group and that he's the strongest uh at at any one time the strongest they they make a point of the strongest is they make the strongest is iron fist when he uses the iron fist Mm. but like that's not going to happen all the time because apparently they can't afford it because he never seems to... We'll get that into that in spoilers. It's so odd. But like Luke is clearly sort of the strongest, whereas Jessica is definitely the most powerful because she's almost as strong as Luke, but she has no fucks to give. It doesn't... Yeah. <laughs> like she has no fuck. Whereas Luke sort of is kind of... He's a... He's not like you know. I'm 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 a superhero. He's not like that, but he's clearly trying to do the right well, that, thing. Whereas Jessica's like, I'll do the right thing, but I'll punch a motherfucker if they're in, in the way. In, in the comics as well, like it seems. <laughs> And and in this show, it I still don't feel like we've seen the upper limits of Jessica's strength. She's never really yeah. tested herself. Yeah. So we don't know how strong she actually is. The most is. glimpse we really get is in her first series, in like the first couple episodes, when she leaps up to that apartment. And yeah. you get that whole thing of, oh, she can leap really fucking high. Yeah. Like, she, she's got the super strength to do that, which I guess is in, this, in the comics, this version's like take on her flying yeah she can fly she can, in the comics yeah. she can superman she, she can can't leap tall buildings in a single bound she can't land for shit yeah oh yeah <laughs> but she can fly yeah pretty much um daredevil's definitely the the expert like daredevil's the one who's got yeah, his shit yeah. together completely like he can he can take on the hand like it was eating breakfast well in terms of being a, a fighter he's got his shit together completely yeah but we'll get into the rest of it when yeah. we go spoilers um, Anything else you want to add before we get, get into deep into those spoilers? Yeah, uh, yeah. Sigourney Weaver, uh, really cool addition to the cast. Sigourney Weaver, interesting take on a villain. Not sure if it was worth her time by the end of it, considering the, the like you know the the power that that actor can bring to roles she plays. I think it's a good it's a good way to establish. A character with gravitas and threat is to cast someone like Sigourney Weaver without. Yeah. Then, then she she is the kind of actress who can bring that presence to an underwritten part, perhaps. Yeah, and I think um, that that was that was the greatest strength in her casting, but it also like felt like she was wasted a bit in this series. Um, I don't know. I just I th- I think considering the Netflix show has excelled at villains up until Iron Fist. 
it's sort of yeah. like, oh, is this the thing now? Are the villains going to be a bit kind of weak source going forward? It seems that the Netflix shows are starting to level out in quality because this is a definite improvement over Iron Fist. Mm. Um, but but I, wouldn't, still I wouldn't not... say it's as good as either Daredevil, Jessica Jones, or Luke no, Cage. No, it's just it's, it's not as good as either as any of those really. It's it's better than some of the weaker moments in season two of Daredevil. Yeah, but a lot of those weaker moments in season two of Daredevil are dealing with the hand stuff, which then comes to play in this, and hopefully comes to play for at least for the foreseeable future, the final time. Yeah, uh, we have our fingers on our hands crossed for that one. Let's get into some spoiler territory. Let's dig so deep. If you Let's don't dig get... deep like a giant hole under a building. If you don't want to get spoiled for the Defenders, skip ahead to the time code in the show notes. Um, it's only eight episodes. Go give it a watch if you've got Netflix. It's not going to take you long. Bye, Jiminy! Um, yeah, and it's, and it's pretty good. Um, so... The big old plot hole. The big old plot hole. Was lit- actually... Literally a plot hole. Was actually... Like, they did something yeah. with it now. They, they went, oh, do you remember that moment in Daredevil that was a cliffhanger? And we all went, what? And then we never did anything with it. Well, we're going to explain it now. Yeah. It's a literal plot hole. It is a literal plot hole. Which I think was um, kind of... Which is what we kind of thought anyway we were yeah. going to do. Like, that's clearly set up for the Defenders. Well, Series 2 of Daredevil ends with the hand getting hold of Electra's body. Yeah. And you're like, they're obviously going to resurrect. Like, we see the sarcophagi that Nobu came out of and everything. Like, we're going to see that. And I've got to admit, the flashback where she climbs out of the blood-filled sarcophagus in Defenders was some pretty cool imagery. Pretty grim. Electra's... Electra's... I I still know how I feel about her. Like, sometimes she's really good. And other times I'm like... Yeah, but I don't think it's ever down to the performance so much as they're like... Electra, Electra been... can be a wonderfully compelling character. Like She can be something really kind of frightening yeah. or or a vulnerable character in a way where you're like... You know what I mean? Like You want her to, you want her to leave that horrible like life of murder and death and everything because there is a good person in there somewhere. In this show, not so much. Electra might not even be in this series. This might literally just be... I mean, we, we, what we know of the comics is we know that when the hand resurrects you, it is you, but they can sort of bring you back to their like. Yeah, they can influence They can you. tweak you. And that's what this was about. It was very Wolverine, enemy of the state. Like, yeah, yeah. Electra was brought back with the sole purpose of basically being the hand's weapon, uh, the Black Sky. But then she. Which we still don't know what that means. No, well, well, I think the reason we don't know what it means is because you think. Oh, so this series is the hand-leveling New York League of Shadows style, right? And they're going to use Electra as, like, their primary weapon. Okay. And then by the end of the series, it's... No, actually, what they're going to do is they're going to get some dragon bones to keep themselves alive longer. And there might be another earthquake because of it? And the implication so, seems to be that... there we go! When, when, when they've excavated <laughs> the whole skeleton... Yeah. Because it's so big... Yeah. It will be... Um, like a section of New York, at least. Yeah, will... it'll it'll just crumble in because the ground will be so unstable, and it's implied that that's what's happened before. Yeah, to other cities. But that that took away their menace to me, because it meant that they were more they were more flippant about the destruction of civilizations. Yeah, because it was oh, it's just a result of us digging up dragon bones, mate. But the series starts with them being like, you know. It's just a city. You'll get used to watching it fall. Think... It's like, oh my god, the hand they're gonna like because they say like Pompeii yeah. and and you're like, oh my god, like they, oh shit, they I they had think... a, they have a hand in wiping stuff out from time to time. I think it's an attempt to sort of. <laughs> it just made them seem really sort of 
pointless. It's an attempt at making them sort of, sort of mor- amoral, I suppose, yeah. or operating on a different moral plane, but it doesn't quite land. Um, yeah, but it's just, it's just, it's like all the murder and mayhem and ninjas, and it's simply because five people, well, four people, want to live a bit longer. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's, that, no, you could, that is something menacing, oh yeah, there is something menacing about that, but they don't really, they sort of, it's almost played like, because when Electra, because again, spoilers, you know this is the spoiler section, when Alexandra is killed off in episode six. Yeah. It does shock you as a moment. You yeah. go, wait, what? Sigourney Weaver's just been, what the hell? And Electra's suddenly like, I'm talking complete sentences now, because yeah. guess what? I've been like this all the whole time, I've just been listening. Um, I've not just been your lapdog. I've been, I've been learning. And but she has no myself. motivation to do any of that. Yeah, she has no motivation to do it. And then she's like, "Yeah, we'll go ahead with it." But she doesn't even talk about wanting to be immortal, or like, "Yes, I'll let a city get destroyed." It's like, what is the point of it? Like, she doesn't say she wants to take. She says, "I am the hand," but then she doesn't say what she wants to do as like the head of. The... It was just like. Uh? I think she just wants to do what she wants, but we don't know what she wants to do. Because we don't know if this is Electronachios or a fucked up, like, conditioned version of Electronachios. I think it's implied by the end of the show that it is her. Like, but in she's series just two, she was okay. like, you're right, Matt, let's not be dicks. Like, we'll run away, but we won't be the dangerous, murderous people. And now it's like, no, I do want to murder things. And I, I like I to think... murder stuff now. It's, it's, it's a thing. I'm a kid. Like, the whole end fight with her and Matt fell a little flat to me simply because I was like, I don't understand what you want from this. No. I don't get what you want from that. And I don't get why Matt thinks he can quote-unquote redeem you. Like, if he goes up with the rest of them, you're just down here, you're stranded, and maybe you'll come back. Mm. Maybe you won't. Maybe you're immortal now. Whatever. Like, it doesn't, like, it give, it give her time to cool the frick off and then come find him. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, whereas... Instead, it was like, no, I've got, I've got to try and bring her back. Why? <laughs> Why? Why? She, she just wants to kill you for reasons now. But mm. she also doesn't want to kill you. But what? And the ending felt really flat to me. When, oh, Daredevil's dead. And I was like, well, he's not. No, we, we know, we he's, know got he's not. Because series. he's got the season three coming up, yeah. I mean, the tag for series three at the end of this was quite nice. Yeah, like, it looks be... like they're going to lean into Born again. Yeah. Because, um... um, I mean, literally his mum being brought into it now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, someone tell Maggie. And it's like, oh, what? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, son. It's his nun, it's his nun mother. Yeah. But I like Daredevil's, because at the end of Daredevil Series 2, he doesn't, like, outright quit, does he? But he sort of is like, I'm putting this away. He's trying to, yeah. So you get... And you see that at the start of this series, you see him, like, struggling with... Yeah. So that but that, that gave us a nice oh, point of view yeah. on this. Like, th- when they get to the restaurant by that point, he's like, no, I don't, I just, I can't do this. And he's, like, wearing the mask and everything. Yeah. And, and Jessica Jones just goes, like, you're the, you're the devil of hell's kitchen. He's like what it's like it's obvious i mean i'm putting two and two together and yeah. it's obvious also i've got pictures of you leaping up a building so uh maybe sit down and get involved and sit. you can see him sort of go like okay fine. sit your five dollar ass down before i make change and jessica jones will make change she will freaking make change i think she's probably still my favorite part of this yeah. whole netflix endeavor it, uh, absolutely and the thing is her story is pretty much unaffected by this show mm. um patsy's involved uh, Malcolm gets involved. Only tangentially, though. Well, really. tangentially, yeah. yeah. Like, well, well, Patsy sort of, like, he makes you realise the hand are tied into the even the company that, like, owns her radio station. Yeah. Being asked to stop talking about the Tremors. 
And you're like, okay, so that, that she was there to sort of illustrate. I'll never hand, stop talking about the hand as a further reach. Plus, it meant that amazing. Dirty bastard. Plus, it meant that amazing. I do love Kronos, though. I've still not seen it before. We're gonna have to watch it. It's properly. very good. Do a big damn love. Yeah. Um. So then, um, that the, the, it also led to the cool bit of her saving Patsy from the restaurant because obviously the hand were like, right, we're gonna. She keeps pushing this. We're gonna take her out. Yeah. And Jessica rescues her, and then guy starts beating the shit out of her. And then Daredevil shows up in full costume, and you're like, yay! Yay, Daredevil! Um, so there's that. And, and Malcolm, like... Yeah. Malcolm was that sort of show that Jessica's still not a people person, even with the people she's bonded with over the course of the story we yeah. know her from. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm interested to see... Basically, all that happens with Jessica Jones in this series of any consequence is by the end, she's like, all right, let's open, shop, open up shop again, and Ailey's Investigations opens up. Which is sort of hinted at at the end of series one that they were about to do that. Yeah. So but it if seems you don't like watch the Defenders and you just watch Jessica Jones, you're going to be not remotely confused at the start of series two. Yeah, her apartment's Jones. still all fucked up as it was yeah. at the end of Jessica Jones at the start of this show, and it's been <laughs> a little bit of time. Yeah, it's been. I think. The, I think uh, Patsy implies it's been about a month since she killed Kilgrave. Is it only been a month? Yeah. I feel like it, I feel like it's been longer than that. It could be, but I, th- I think she. There's a mention somewhere. It's like like what you did like all month. People have been trying to get hold like hold of you. And they want to they want to hear your story. Um, but it could be that her start of this story takes a bit longer, and we're just showing it obviously interspersed between the others. Maybe her 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 attachment to this series begins. They're trying to investigate this bloke who's gone missing. Yeah. So that might have taken a couple more weeks, and then it leads into this. But who knows? Are there still dream? Uh, all I. Oh, actually, no, you're right. It can't have been just because because, because Luke, Luke Cage has been in prison. Yeah. He's hid, hid, been hiding out in Harlem. Maybe then the Luke line, Cage maybe happens. The then he goes to prison. Now he's come back out. Maybe the line's something like this month alone. Like, yeah, people I think it is. To touch me for your story. Yeah. I think, like, Luke Cage clearly isn't in prison for that long. Yeah, because, why? Because he's got the... Because oh, Foggy, yeah, what's, what's the uh, uh, Hogarth, Chow and Benowitz yeah, uh, they have, are, have got him out. They've got Paul. And I think they've basically gone like, we'd like him as a client because he's a good guy who could do some serious shit. And I think the implication with that going forward is they've had Jessica Jones on their books doing freelance work yeah. for them and they'd quite like to call in a favour with Luke at some point. And Hogarth knows Danny Rand. Yeah. So. Uh, let's talk about the impact for Luke Cage. Series 2 of Luke Cage is going to be confusing if you don't watch Defenders. Yeah, because now he's out of prison. He's out of prison, and Misty Knight's got one arm. Yeah. <laughs> An arm that will probably be fixed in Luke Cage like by the money Danny Rand's going to put into getting it repaired. Just give her a vibranium prosthetic arm. Just do it. Just freaking do hmm. it, guys. Please. Any excuse to have Misty in Luke Cage in a more active role. I will be delighted. Because she was amazing in series one. She's sort of underutilised and turned into a bit of a stiff in this. Yeah, she is a bit. But not for, not for lack of trying. Who's, who's the actor who plays her? What's her name? I can't I cannot recall. I'm I think I think her name is My Dream Woman. Because she Christ is wonderful. Alive, yeah. She's amazing and absolutely stunning. But like if she could be a more active physical role in Luke Cage series two, more than getting coffee, and I mean I mean like just beating the shit out of people. That would be amazing. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. Um, I have a feeling that she might be off the force. Yeah, Luke Cage so just two. start working. Start Heroes um, for Hire. Here's how you do it, guys. And get Colleen Ring in Luke Cage Season 2. Do it. Simone Missick. Simone Missick. Uh, yeah, how do you spell that? It's M-Y-D-R-E-A-M. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that would be awesome. Terrible. It is terrible in a way. So what else is terrible? 
Ion Nafist. Um, See, it, I feel bad because I kind of know Finn, like tangentially. No, that's fine. I know, I, I know, like a friend, friend, friend of a friend. The te- the, and... ter- the terrible characterization, writing, and structure of the series, yeah, is not his fault. Now, yeah, he, he, is an, he is an ingredient in the cauldron, and I've not seen his show, so I don't, I haven't absorbed enough of Iron Fist to know whether he's, I think he's, he's not approached he's it. Not well. very good in his show. Right. But it's, it's not. it was it was most highlighted to me in this series in the boardroom scene where yeah. Danny go before yeah, the before this, the yeah. before the hallways hallway fight. Yeah. because uh, what do you do when you have a team up series that each character has had an epic fight in a hallway? You do a fight set in several hallways all at once. Yes. Um that scene was him like showing up to basically be like, right, I know what you're doing. I know you know who I am, and I'm gonna fuck with your shit. So lay off. And then Alexandra shows up midway through his spiel and is like, oh no, do go on. And uh, you know the idea of that scene is basically he's come there to go to have his Batman moment of like, I'm gonna put a stop to this and all this. <laughs> and then and then they turn the tables on that by her being like, cool, have you mm. finished? Because uh, you're not gonna, because we're already ahead of you. And uh, in fact, we're gonna kill you now. Go. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like. Like it's meant to obviously be epic, epic, and then undercut. It it just yeah it just sort of. But it didn't flat. work because his delivery and the direction specifically as well of that moment made him look like a whiny teenager. Yeah. Instead of not... someone delivering like the death knell speech. Yeah. It, it's it's just now that could have just been a direct directional mm. choice. It could have been them going, well, he's going to get undercut, so we want to make it look really pathetic. But it's like, no, he in that moment he should have been like, oh fuck, Iron Fist is gonna fuck them up. Wait, what? They're already ahead of it? Like, it should have been like that. And instead it was just, <laughs> look at him. There's an awful <laughs> lot of, in his own series, of like, I'm Iron Fist and I'm gonna beat everyone up and I'm awesome and I'm a great warrior. And then just failing spectacularly. Yeah. Usually when he goes, I've got the Iron Fist, then the Iron Fist won't come. I think his most impressive moment in this series was the obligatory hero versus hero introduction fight with Luke Cage. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Because you, it gave Iron Fist yeah. a moment that illustrated how cool his power can be. Shut you, up have, you, have, you have him hitting Luke Cage, and like nothing is happening because it's Luke Cage, the immovable object with yeah. the bulletproof skin. And then he charges up the fist, punches him in the face, and Luke's face. Like recreating the shot from Luke Cage yeah. of the guy hitting him and his hand breaking. Recreated that shot, but Luke's face like full on rippling and reacting, and then him flying. It was like, oh, damn! Luke's clearly never been hit that hard. Yeah, and because then he punches him in the gut, and he goes flying into the wall, and you're like, what the hell? Like that was a really nice way to go. This is what he's bringing to the table when it comes to bringing these four together. And then you get him and Luke in a room to talk, and Luke just takes him apart. Yeah. as like this sort of whiny entitled rich white boy but then later tries to connect with him which yeah. is quite sweet like when, when they're holding Danny captive and that's a very Luke thing or at least this version of Luke yeah is you know he, he's always trying to sort of bring out the best in people um, and I think they do a good job of establishing that relationship and making that an, a compelling dynamic mm. and I, I think the Luke in this definitely brings out the best in Iron Fist in this. Yeah. So I want to see more of them together as well. Um, uh, everyone yeah. else just has a great time railing on him for being a douchebag and ineffectual <laughs> and a bit wet. None so right. more, none more so than Stick. Oh yes. Who who comes back for the final time? Like this is this is Stick's story. We first see him in in Alexandra's um sort of one of her things. Yeah, he's like being captured. Kept, kept, kept captive. 
So to get away, he slices off his own hand to slip out of the, the restraints yep. and leaves. Um, and that is completely fine with it for the rest yeah. of his, his run of the he's series. Fine. He's the one who... Oh, God, that moment where like he's explaining everything to them at the Chinese restaurant. Yeah. That was a, that was a cool moment for Iron Fist. Like they show up at this Chinese restaurant, they were closing. They're like, "No, get out, get out! What the hell are you doing?" He has a word with them. Two minutes later, he comes back. He's like, "Right, I bought them. <laughs> I bought the restaurant, and I'm paying um, their lease completely for the next six months, so we can stay. I've also asked for some food." <laughs> it's like, "What? Yeah, I, had to, um, I had to buy two of everything." Yeah, that was the condition. It's like I had to yeah. buy two of everything. So it comes. Is that pork? No, dead. I'm like, that's chicken. That's shrimp. <laughs> That guy's, that guy's got the pork. <laughs> it's just like, ooh. <laughs> like, that was a really nice moment. Yeah. And that was where you showed off how Iron Fist could contribute to this group dynamic and I think... quite well. Like, he's really, he's got this one really cool superpower that he can use occasionally. And he's the, he's the, he could be the Stark of this. Like, he could fund it if they choose to work together and regularly. The thing, the, th- the problem, <laughs> what you had in this was you had, was you had moments of Danny being exuberant and enthusiastic and, and, yeah. all, and almost childlike. Which is Iron Fist. Yeah. The problem that you had in Iron Fist, the show, and in parts of this, is that yeah. when he's tortured and angry and brilliant. Yeah. And when, like, when he's the it's whiny not, teenager. not Iron Fist at all. When he's the whiny teenager, he is completely, like, detestable. That is not who that character should be. When and he's the wide-eyed, really... like, enthusiast, the guy who's oh, like, yeah. oh my god, I can kick ass! He's a like, rich he's... man-child. Yeah. Like, who, has, who has supernatural kung fu powers. Yeah. And that... Could be easy to detest, but the reason people like him is because of his charm and his enthusiasm. Yeah. He's an optimistic character yeah, as well. Yeah, very optimistic. But um, there's none of that here. Yeah. There's a little glimpses, there's glimpses of it in of Defenders, it in series, but yeah. in Iron Fist Season 1, there's none of that. But in terms of shitting on optimism, that's what Stick does beautifully. Mm. Like, I like the fact that the moment he shows up in the restaurant, Matt is immediately like, no, no. don't listen to a single thing this guy. He's going to drag you into something, take advantage of what you can do for him, and then piss off. And it's like, oh god! It's like, okay, but that was great. I like the idea that you had that, and basically, by the time they were assembled, everybody still had to rely on another to fill in a blank for them. Yeah. So like, it made them have to stick together. Yeah. Um, but I like the fact that he's explaining it all. Jessica's like doubting it and going, no, no, no. She's walking away, and he says, "Sit down and shut up," and she just looks at him like, uh, and then immediately cuts to her just fucking off. Yeah, she's gone. She's like, bye. <laughs> And then she and Luke have a really nice little moment. The first moment where they sort of like take a breather and go, hello, let's acknowledge the fact that we had a story arc in your show. Yeah. You are right. And then like she sort of says it was nice talking because she doesn't meet other people who can do weird shit. Like and, she and, she, and she's not very social in general. Like, but you can tell that people. Luke is sort of like seeing that he's not only okay, but that he also clearly forgave her for what she did to it, like she had to do. Which was kind of left up in the air at the end of Jessica Jones. Yeah. But like he, he realised yeah. through the course of his series that his wife was not, her hands weren't clean. Yeah. So, and and she may not actually have loved him the way he thought she did. Um, do you know what I mean? So it's like, the, the Jessica having, he's understood by the end of Jessica Jones that Jessica having murdered his wife whilst under mind control it's not Jessica's fault. She didn't choose to do this. But at the same time, she he's since learnt that his wife is not the woman he loved. And he's had his own experiences at the yeah. Hunter Kilgrave as well. So so he gets he gets it more. Yeah. So he has forgiven her for, for that and also for the shotgun blast to the face. Like, he's forgiven her. It becomes a joke. Yeah. Really. Like, um, yeah, and, last and, we got a drink, had sex, she shot me in the face. Yeah. 
That's what happens. And he can oh, see women. he can see that she's also like clearly she feels a bit more comfortable around him than she did before because they've started to ease up a bit. Yeah. So it's that really nice moment where she basically goes like, "We should see each other sometime. Like we should catch up." And it's like, yay, yeah. hey, she's opening up. And then she says, like, we could get coffee. Obviously having no idea what that meant in his show. Yeah. And he sort of gives him this look of, like, um... <laughs> and <laughs> like, uh-huh. you get to see exactly what that means to him when he first goes out of prison and, and with meets Claire. with Claire again. Jesus wept. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. I, I can't, can't remember where I saw it. But someone else was discussing the show uh, online this week. Oh, it was, it was um, I think it was Fat Man on Batman. They were talking about it. Mark yeah. Bernard and Kevin Smith. And they said, uh, obviously, like, Luke and Jessica is, is a thing. But if Claire and Jessica is where they're choosing to go, I'm sorry, Claire and Je- Claire and Jessica, hello, Claire, Jessica. Claire and Luke is where they're choosing to go yeah. in the show. Yeah, and the 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 Luke and Jessica relationship is more just alluded to with their brief romantic entanglement in Jessica's yeah. first season. That's fine because I'm enjoying watching yeah, these interactions. Like, that's the, you don't if it doesn't make sense in the story you're telling for Luke and Jessica to get together, then you don't need to force it. Yeah, at the you same don't, time... don't force things just because they have in the comic. At the same time, I could still see them getting together. Yeah. But I, I, I don't want that to be the end game of their story. I don't, I, I, also, I like the Luke and Claire thing. Yeah, like I don't necessarily want to see that at the expense of Luke and Claire. Yes, that's um, perfectly put. Like if, if there is a natural progression of the story where you could tell that story, go for it, but don't. Don't shit on the good thing you've got going on now. And whatever you do, don't to do fan service. Do not get Luke and Jessica together by killing Claire. Oh god, it's yeah. So lazy. Yeah. And it... we'll just shit on that character. There was there was people were suspecting Claire was gonna die in this series <sighs> simply because it would make her the Coulson. Because she was the gl- she is the glue holding them together. Yeah. In terms of their like connections and everything and, and... I, I would like to think that you don't have to sacrifice a character to get rational people to understand that they have to work together to well, that was, good. Well, that was what happened with Stick. Yeah. Stick dies, and you think, oh, that's going to be the bond. No, it isn't, because of what he was about to do, which yeah. is kill Danny, and the fact that even Matt, like even though Matt sort of takes it hard at yeah. first, he doesn't, tr- he doesn't trust Stick. Like, he was a father figure, but he, he has a connection with the Stick he thought he knew. I mean, that's the glory and not of, the one who he's learnt about. That's since. the glory of these Netflix shows over the movies. Yeah. The one thing that they do better than the movies is that the character works just more complex because they have time to dig into it. They can flesh so it out. Yeah, yeah, Matt's got a complicated relationship with Stick. Like clearly cares for him, but also hates him in a way. Yeah. Um. And yeah, so getting some, that playing that out was. Uh, yeah, it's the most interesting thing this show does. I liked the eight episodes. I'm not in a hurry to return back to 13 episode seasons. Yeah. Because this moved nice and quickly. It was a little underwritten in places. I felt there was still but... the Netflix sag in the, the third quarter. I felt that it was mm. still there. But I think that was because it became this weird... Um, it's all about Danny now. We've got to get Danny. Or we've got to hide Danny. Or we've got to protect Danny. Yeah. And then the stupid fucking move where your your Iron Fist will open up the door to the thing we need. <laughs> so Electra video game bossed him by standing in front of the wall. Because they could have sold that more if she maybe really enraged him. Do you know what I mean? If there was a motivation yeah. that really enraged him. I'm not, I'm not saying turn like Colleen into a victim, for example. But like if she was like, I'm going to fucking murder your friend. I'm gonna do, do you know what I mean? Like, really use that as a thing to get him out of his, like, you know, he's 
Oh, no, because then that negates, like, how he uses his freaking iron fist. Yeah. Oh, it's so stupid. Um, yeah. It is so dumb. Um, the one thing that they've definitely bungled in these all these Netflix shows above anything else is Iron Fist. Yeah. His his mythology, Actually, the way his powers work, all that stuff. For them. Actually, you could tell me if this if this changes the Iron Fist. Is the Iron Fist like the Slayer in that like if they die, someone else has to be it? No, you have to train to become the Iron Fist. Good. Okay. Um, so if their motivation for this series is the hand was that the thing they need, be it a weapon, be it to get immortality, whatever, yeah. required the Iron Fist to open it. They get to the point where they realise they're not going to win Danny Rand over. Like, they try to seduce him to their side. Yeah. When they realise it doesn't happen, they kill him. And then they bring him back. That would have been more compelling to me. Because then you could have had him go through that story of like, Oh, thing is oh though, God, no! Like, then, no, I'm not a villain! And he turns, like, at the end he turns tied and, and... Then what you get, though, is you get more of Danny being tortured and angry and... And that's like well, it's so fucking yeah. dull. Like, at the I'd... same time, if he overrode the hand at the end, it would be that tag on for Matt. Like you could have Electra get away, and it's like she's gone. It's like what the hell's going on? And he's like, no, I have faith. She can be herself again because he did it. Yeah, maybe. And it would be. Do you know what I mean? It's like that. Well, would, if they that were would, able that to bring Danny believable. back, then they'd have no motivation because their entire motivation for doing everything mm, now is because yeah. they haven't got any more of the substance to bring people back with. Also, I'm saying that like, they turn Danny, and they not only make Danny, the, like they help him open up the thing, yeah. But then maybe they do a whole thing of like, right? Do you know what? While we've got you, fuck it. You're the Black Sky. Like, she's, yeah, that's also not yeah. how the Black Sky works. It's basically ninjas be ninjas, and I can't wait for them to tone down the ninjas now. Yeah, let's no more hand, please. No more hand, or at least if you're gonna do the hand, a small group of ninjas, all in the red costumes, please, because. That was another thing. Why weren't they just in their costumes at this point? Why were they all in black sweatpants? Yeah, because they're all just in costumes in, in Daredevil the... season two. Yeah, they have hand costumes. Like they're all like that. So if they were like that, in this, I think I, it's the comic book fan of me would be really jizzing his pants. One of the things like, they oh get... my god, it's the it's the heroes for hire fighting the hand. Instead one of was... the things they get into in season one of Iron Fist, yeah, is that these different parts of the hand mm. when they introduce Bakuto, because yeah. Bakuto and, and Madame Gao spend all of Iron Fist at odds with each other. Yeah. So it's. I it think nice it's just. We've seen Madame Gao yeah. again, but the more we see of her, the less mysterious she becomes. Hmm. Which sort of ruins her a bit as well. Because I now can't picture going forward a scene where Madame Gao is talking to Wilson Fisk, for example. Because I'd be like, so the magic woman's talking to the the mafia boss. Yeah, it's it weird, just feels it? a bit odd now, uh, and it also makes you wonder: was she using Fisk? Because I think she genuinely likes Wilson. Like she, she sympathizes with him she understands it's a business relationship mm. but she definitely like there's a she had she sees a kindred spirit in madame gow has become way more human than what he's used her yeah she's not necessarily a bad thing no but um, I, maybe again like maybe now it's time to drop madame gow well they dropped a building on her so i think it's probably Is she, was she definitely so under when in the hole yeah, when the building got dropped in there was madame gow there was the japanese but he was already dead yeah, um, allegedly. Well, he'd been brought back. And he, he was clearly Nobu's boss, but Nobu was way more interesting. So I, I yes, oh, I, I was thinking that the whole time. Back. I was spending um, that entire thing going like, I'm sure this guy was in Iron Fist. Yeah, not knowing like his thingy in that. I'm like, oh, he wasn't. No, okay. But Kudo was introduced in. Oh, that's in it. Iron we Fist. saw this guy at the beginning of this show, didn't we? He was the guy killed in the. No, he wasn't. No, the first uh, time you see him is when he's skinning the. the... Uh, so like uh, yeah so again I'm just like it couldn't be Nobu because the way Daredevil Series 2 ended 
but wouldn't it be more epic if it was Nobu? Would, yeah. Because <laughs> at least then you'd be yeah. like, there's a bit of a supervillain team up going on here. Yeah. I don't know. I just, so. I think now is the time for these shows to, for Luke Cage to do more of what it does best. Yeah. But it can, di- it can dip more of a toe into the superhero pool now because his eyes have been opened and Misty's probably going to get a cybernetic arm. Mm-hmm. Like you can dip a little bit more of a toe into the superhero pool for Luke Cage. Um, Daredevil needs to. I think Daredevil just needs to become comic book Daredevil now. The the the, the rumor is they're going to be adapting. Uh, what is it? The Karen Page story. Born again. Born again. Yeah, you said before, didn't you? Like Born Again's the angle, but now's the time to fucking turn Melvin into Gladiator. Yep. Bring in Bullseye. Yeah. Your big bad. Like just do it. Nuke um, pops up in Born Again. Yeah, okay. Towards that, I'll the, be down with it. Well, the, the, the crossover the, in Dead would be great. The, climax, be the climax of Born Again mm. is, in the comics, is Nuke basically going to war on the streets of New York and Daredevil coming back out of... I would love like, that. Like, I mean, stop Nuke was set up in Jessica Jones. Yeah, so... Bring him back in Daredevil and give him the freaking face tattoo. Yeah. Or at least like, have him smear it on his like, paint well, on his face paint, to look yeah. like it. Um, yeah. And Jessica Jones season two, I think... I mean, obviously they're making it, so you know we can't change anything. But I think Jessica Jones series two would benefit if it was now just a it's a it's a it's a detective show. Yeah, it's procedural. Yeah, yeah. But it's obviously set in the so do Alias like be like the Alias book was for like that first like chunk of its run where it's yeah. Yeah, yeah this story like three episodes we're focused on this case and three episodes in this case and your through line for this series is what we um, pontificated on last week is that she's being haunted by Kilgrave. Yeah, yeah. That's your through line. And you could do something with that as the series goes on. Um, Iron Fist is probably going to stay ninjas, but now's your chance to have him be like, fuck it, life's great! And have him be the superhero. Well, no, because now, now he's the tortured defender uh. of New York until Daredevil gets back. But we'll get Daredevil season three before we get Iron Fist season two, so hopefully they'll nip that in the fucking bud. Right in the bud um, Right in the bud holes. <sighs> let's talk about something else. Let's let's do it. Let's um, let's let's jiggy to jiggy to talk about something. Let's talk about something positive. Um, like what's one of your favourite books, Matt? What's I really favorite? like the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. You, you love a bit of Stephen yeah, King, I don't really you? Like it. You love a Stephen. King. I like most of Stephen King's hey, work. Did you know there are, there, are, there are two Stephen King films coming out this year? Yeah, uh, we got we got yeah. it, uh, which I'm really excited hopefully about. Hopefully, part one. Yeah, which is the story. Yeah, yeah. You know, that looks really out, good. Uh, next month, isn't it? In September. Yeah. In September, so that'd be great. Yeah. And uh, oh. John came out a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, the Dark Tower. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In fact, did we see that yesterday? We saw it yesterday. Oh yeah. my God. And what did you think? It's fucking terrible. Like, uh, like on a technical level, <laughs> right, it's a 98 minute movie. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. It gets there. Mm-hmm. It's competently structured. It's also completely unremarkable. Kind of dull by the numbers and elevated above well, I mean, it is mediocre. It's elevated. It's elevated above being completely shit by virtue of having a really good cast. Yes, who are given nothing useful to work with. I think we can happily just go spoilers on this. Yeah, Let's just yeah. Do it, spoilers for Dark Tower are to properly follow. illustrate why this is a waste of your time. Do you know <laughs> they spent six million dollars on reshoots to flesh out Idris Elba's character? Fuck off! Really? You joking? No, man. no, no. What the hell did they? What, I've seen, no idea what they the added. I've no idea what they added. Probably, I don't it'll know. Be, it'll be the freaking campsite scene, it's like, and the bit with him getting um, uh, into a fight with the thing in the woods. This movie, and you said it when we were watching oh, it. God. 
this movie feels like a three hour movie that was fucking stripped to yeah. 90 minutes yeah this was a this was a full roast chicken that was left as a thigh and a leg this is that's basically it, is it cut to the fucking bone it's so lean and that's the best thing you can say about it is that it doesn't oh well no it kind of it's 90 minutes it still overstays its welcome yeah oh, oh we were the, we were sat there in the cinema and we were all sort of like starting to natter about it yeah about 40 minutes in and like, I we, start, we started to mystery science theater 40 minutes in because we were bored to fuck it's just it's taken a really interesting concept and mythology mm-hmm. and reduced it to something that's barely recognizable as the source material. Okay, so spoilers for the Dark Tower novels. The way that the story works in the Dark Tower is that Roland's quest for the tower is cyclical. And when he gets to the end of it, he starts it over again. And the implication is that he'll, he'll do it over and over again until he gets it right. So it's a never-ending story until he finds the way to end it properly. Kind of. Yeah. And in the in book seven... When it ends, he has throughout the throughout the the original the series of books, he's lamenting that he lost in the final battle where most of the rest of the gunslingers were wiped out. The Battle of Jericho Hill, he loses the Horn of Eld. Yeah. And when he come, when this when the cycle starts again at the end of the seventh book, he has the horn. So it's implied yeah. that this will be the last cycle, and it'll get it right this time. Yeah. And in this film, he has the horn. Okay. They don't draw any attention to it, but you see it yeah. in shots. Then he never talks about it, but you see that he has it. Like, it's on the top of his bag, poking out of his bag. Like it, they, so even, they, so, they very visually clearly show it. So even in the mythology, using utilising the mythology of the books as a template, this film, in its visual language, is telling us... It is a so this is the last... But also, this is the last... Yeah. This is the last story of... This character in the Dark Tower. This but, is the end of his quest. At the same time... In the first movie in your apparent franchise. They bastardised and simplified so much so of the us, mythology that it doesn't feel like a continuation us, of the same world. Give us like a three-sentence-ish summary of the basic plot of the Dark Tower series. The, the series? Yeah, the, as a series. Um, what's, the, what's the basic plot? Because in case you can't tell, gentle listener, Matt really fucking loves these books. <laughs> I have vague knowledge of yeah, but Matt is an encyclopedia. Roland is the last gunslinger and is on a quest to reach the Dark Tower, the keystone that holds up the entire universe, which is under a threat of attack by the Crimson King. Again, something that is referenced in the movie but never talked about. Never talked about. Um, And... Along the way, he recruits a, ca- a-, a quartet, a-, yeah. a-, a-, a fellowship almost. Yeah, a posse. Um, from various different realities, mostly our Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a young boy, Jake, who adopts his son. Um, Eddie Dean, who's a former um, addict, who he cleans up and starts to train as a gunslinger. And Susanna Walker, who is a um, paralysed uh, black woman from... I think 70s America, so when racism is still rife and stuff mm. like that, um, who originally had two, uh, two personalities. So she, when she first comes through into mid... And it's sort of like, it's fantasy meets Western, meets sci-fi, meets horror. It's a big mishmash. Uh, it explores alternate universes, so it also brings other parts of Stephen King's work into a big shared multiverse. Um, and it's a big epic quest series. 
to get to the Dark Tower. Cowboy Knight gets a posse. Cowboy Knight gets a posse. Tries to, to save tower. the universe and fight evil. Yeah. It's sort of the, that, that's like the blanket. Yeah. Like, and I think that's all Sony knew by the sounds of it when they, yeah. when they said, make this. They went, it's a guy with guns who saves the world. Do it. And it's like, okay. Like, there's clearly, there's some work gone into the mythology and... But there's clearly a love for it. the material yeah. in the film, in the production, be it in the, of it. Be it in the sets, in, the in the sets, costumes, the background details, stuff like that. But in the, the actual Easter script, eggs to a degree when they're not distracting, which the actual, we'll get into. <laughs> the actual script itself is so bare bones yeah. and just sort of. It's your classic Sony. You'll have a two-minute scene somewhere that when it's done, you'll go, "Why?" Because it didn't progress the plot or any character development. Or wasn't even a cool set piece that you could at least go, oh, that was a cool moment. Like, it doesn't it, it doesn't offer you that. It's little things are like the way they explain what the tower is. Yeah. Which is wrong. <laughs> like, the way he explains the tower is, is he shows, is he draws a tower. I, I felt your head loll in the seat and next then, to me when they started like, it. You just went, Ugh. The tower is, is the axle at the centre of a wheel. So you've got yeah. the wheel going on and you've got those spokes that all go to the tower. What happens in this movie is that the man in black, Walter, is attacking the tower directly because apparently the tower emanates energy that safeguards the rest of the universe. It's not the, that's not what it is. It's not what the tower. The tower is. You're the, telling me it's not a MacGuffin. It's not a MacGuffin. Okay. The tower is the universe. Yeah. It stand and and different levels of the tower are different universes. Which they never mentioned. They never mentioned. Either. They mentioned this in these different universes. Yeah, because and he goes to Keystone Earth, to but they're never clear about whether it's a different planet because it's got a different sky, mm. or if it's a different version of Earth. They never really get into that. Um, they just call it our Earth Keystone Earth, and that's it. Um, then, what the tower actually is? The, t- the tower is the universe, and it's held up by the beams. Mm-hmm which are the spokes of the wheel that you draw it in. And you see them. Like, when you see the tower, you see the beams coming from it. What the Crimson King is trying to do... I'm doing beam actions. He's doing beam actions. It's, um, quite, it's quite remarkable. What the Crimson King is trying to do is destroy the beams to pull the tower down. Yeah. And the reason that the different universes have become more dilapidated and the world has moved on, as people say in the book. Mm-hmm. Things have got worse, you know, wars, disease, famine, holocausts, all that stuff. Is... As the beams have been broken, because some of the beams have already been broken, the universe is becoming less stable and more broken. Yeah. And that's kind of how people are able to move from one universe into another. And there is some of the sci-fi stuff, like with the technology you see in this movie. There is elements of that in the book, but they've used it to shortcut things like in the books, there's more of a mystical side to it. And there's yeah, these demons and magical portals and and, and well, things yeah, like that. They, they hinted it in this with like one of the portals in the, in that small village and stuff like yeah. is safeguarded, and one of the people who knows about it is is a seer. So yeah. they sort of go into like you know um, they lean very heavily on and, and the man in black and they describe him as a sorcerer yeah. and they lean very heavily on the shining as a. As, now uh, as I, a I read on this yesterday. It they have. There are characters in the Dark Tower series that have like the psychic ability, but it's not referred to. It's not referred to as, as shine. shine. It's called something else, isn't yeah. it? Um, but in this movie, the first time they say it, it's like, oh, 
okay, they're implying that because they say like, different then, people possess the shrine, but then they they keep, keep saying, saying it, it and they just say it over and over and over again. It's so heavy-handed. Can we can we quickly dive into the distracting Easter eggs? There was stuff I, I had a look at an article when I got home. Yeah. Just to see how many there were and how many we'd noticed. There are subtle Easter eggs. There are some, some there, nice There's a woman ones. walking a dog briefly in a shot when Jake's like looking around, and it's it's a big fucking yeah, Cujo, Cujo yeah. dog. Uh, there's a car on the floor in his bedroom, whatever, and it's the toy Christine. Christine. Yeah. So like, there's there's little nods like that where you're like, okay, there's a there's a a frame photograph when the earthquake happens at the beginning yeah. of the tremor, and you see in the his therapist's office, uh, like books moving around. There's a framed photo you see jiggle for a second, and it's the overlook. Yeah. So it's like, okay, like those Easter eggs are it's fair a fir- enough. There's a furniture shop you see towards the end of the movie. Yeah. Which is in, which is from the books. Okay. Um, there's, uh... there's Rose Graffiti, which yeah. is an, um, a nod to the to the to the rose in the in the feet. There's a rose in a vacant lot in a field in the um, in the in the books which is under threat which is implied to be a, a form of the tower yeah they have to protect this single rose yeah um that's in our world so is it like yeah. nods like that are subtle because they're ones that yeah. if you're a fan you go oh cool uh, again uh there's another shit what was it there's one i'm thinking of that my brain's melted apparently the message the man the man in black leaves on uh, jake's bedroom wall is yeah. a reference to a recent king book possibly not well, one the, the smile the smiley face is apparently yeah. a direct reference to that's from mr mercedes yeah, I maybe, like, yeah. which I've not read, but apparently the series adaptation, which has just started, is apparently very, very good. Okay. So, the, so there's there's these sort of nods. Yeah. Um, now, there are also other nods that smack you in the face with a dick, and then keep prodding that dick into your eyelids. The, the Pennywise sign. The, the the nod to it is huge, and the reason why these were, these distracted me like yeah, crazy yeah. during the film because I I knew pre seeing the movie, uh, my vague knowledge, I knew that the Dark Tower series suggested that the Stephen King stories all take place, if not in the same world, in similar worlds. The Dark Tower series features yeah. Stephen King as a character, okay. who is the Stephen King who is writing the novel. Okay, so well, there you go. So it gets, it's about, it gets yeah. weird and metafictional towards the end. So there you go. So I, I, I figured that, because isn't it the Dark Tower where they first talk about like the, the, like, the great beings out there, that if you go into it, like one of them is the creature... From it or a similar creature. The, well, the turtle from one it is the big old turtle. One of the bean guardians. Yeah. The idea of being either end of the beam is a guardian. Yeah, and one of them is a big fuck off turtle. One of them is a big turtle. One of them bear. fights off a big, nondescript but usually sort of spider-like yeah. being, which is the thing from it. There is at the, the end of it, like it's described as a giant arachnid-like creature. There is the moment where. Roland is erroneously yeah, describing well, the the the, uh, yeah. the the way that the the tower works in the universe and, and uses a spider to illustrate yeah. the beings outside of the universe. Which that um, I think is a subtle Easter egg because obviously yeah. you know that you go, oh, that's a reference to it. Yeah, okay, that's kind of cool. But they end up in a dilapidated theme park from the old civilization and sticking out the ground. At first, it was kind of like a nod. Sticking out the ground is obviously part of the statue and it's a hand holding balloons. Mm-hmm. But then it reveals and lingers on like a smashed up carousel or whatever and the word Pennywise. It's, it's, it's clearly said Pennywise is something, something at some point. So it's like, yeah. oh, that's obvious now. That's an obvious reference. Then the shine, like you have a shine gets made and then they so keep saying it. There is a bit where they try to describe like the the code to get back to this dimension or whatever. Like, 1408. Like, they says like that's how to get back to us, and then it never plays into the plot. 
So it's an insignificant piece of information for the pacing of the story. Yeah. But they linger on it and it's 1408. Yep. So it's like, which is a reference to, was it, was it a short story? Or was it a full book, that one? It was a short story. Yeah. Um, the Mist is, if I remember correctly, is subtly referenced. Possibly. They reference like, uh, like when you talk about the darkness and stuff, like the mist spreading. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's kind of, right, fair enough. That wasn't too distracting. But it was just the fact that they whip out these Easter eggs and make you go, yeah? Huh? Yeah? yeah? Did, you, did you get it, guys? And it, was, it well, just made me... Yeah. It, my theory is this. It isn't that they're referencing that the Dark Tower as a series acknowledges that all these things are connected in some like loose, tangential way. Yeah. It was Sony who have failed an amazing Spider-Man universe that they planned. Yeah. Who have essentially had to reduce Ghost Core to just whatever the animated film is Ivan Reitman's in charge of now, instead of the multi-layered Ghostbusters franchise they were hoping for. It's Sony's way of going... See, we we have got a cinematic universe, guy. You like The Shining, right? That's mm-hmm. that's, that's part of this. You liked it, uh, or or like you you're gonna like the new one. That, that's part of this, guys. Yeah, guys, that one with Sam Jackson in that room. That's part of this, guys. Do you remember? Like it 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 feels like Sony going see see we have got without obviously legally having to cross any boundaries. Because as long as they're just making reference to these properties that are owned by other studios, they can get away with it. But it's just like, ugh. And the biggest problem I think the film has as an outsider is it didn't know who it was marketing to. Yeah. Because watching the movie, it's very clearly a young adult Yeah, it feels movie. like they've reimagined the Dark it's Tower. It's Percy Jackson. It's yeah. Aragon. It's... Um, Freaking a series of unfortunate events. It's basically everything that ca- like the dark is rising. Spiderwick Chronicles. I can, it's everything that came out of the Harry Potter reaction. From and other I can studios. I can understand them using Jake's part in the story as an in for audiences, but it completely changes the tone and focus of the series. And it doesn't. Have, but it didn't and advertise it itself as it a young adult film. It does not advertise itself as a young adult film. It, it advertises all. itself as a, as, a, as, a, as a sort of a freaky action fantasy movie. Which it and the, the action with, in with it's Idris not Elba particularly and great. Matthew McConaughey at the center of the ad campaign yeah and they're not the main characters Matthew McConaughey's top build for this he is and he's fine like he's clearly having a lot of fun yeah and a better script and a better movie I think he would have been a pretty freaking great memorable Idris Elba is clearly struggling with Mm. a bare bones script to, to deliver some kind of yeah captivating performance and it and he, he succeeds he, in that purely because he's Idris Elba and he's charismatic yeah. he's convincingly like, a badass but you don't understand why. And it's so frustrating because Roland, as he is in the books, Idris Elba could really embody that mm. sort of stoicism and and power and presence yeah. and sort of quiet... Um, not menace, but he, 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 he's clearly a dangerous man. The only kind of bit like, where they highlighted that in the movie was his wanted... Um, like yeah. gunshot moment. That was the only bit where they sort of suggested that, that there is more to him simply than just gruff, angry guy with guns. I've started reading the first book yesterday. Yeah, and you spend just, a... yeah, just to clarify rereading the first book. Yeah, rereading the first <laughs> book. Yeah, like, Wait, I thought he said he was a um, fan. He started after he watched the movie. Uh, so there is a <laughs> that's possible. The, the first like third of that book, yeah, is like Roland read. Uh, he meets someone along the road into the desert. The man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. Is that the opening? They say that yeah. in this movie. 
The man in black isn't fleeing anywhere. He's got a base that he keeps going back to. Yeah, he's, he's not running big, he's anywhere. He's got a big sci-fi base being run by Cabin in the Woods guy. Yeah, and, and like clearly, and, and and sexy female henchwoman. Yeah, who he ran, who does nothing. Then he randomly burns her face briefly, and then she does nothing. Yeah, um, he's got a base. Oh, he's not running from anyone. There's another Easter egg in that scene. Apparently, a, a Misery's Child, the book from Misery, oh, is on like the computer oh. console to one side. It's because, also, because reasons. You also see all the orbs. You see Merlin's rainbow, but it's never explained what they are. Or he no. uses them, but it's never explained what they do mm. and why he's using them and, and how he's using them. But yeah, I anyway. bet he was using correctly. Anyway, I bet it's completely I've, different. I'd have to. I'm, I'm a bit hazy on <laughs> Merlin's rainbow. So, um, so the base of the plant is from Lord of the Rings. Okay. Um, uh, I was saying. All right. Fuck. Yeah. So the first. Like third of, of of the first book is he's related before he even meets Jake. He's chasing the man in black across the desert. Mm. He stops at a shack. Um, it's like the last shack before the desert. Um, and he re- he relates to the guy who lives in the shack when the last town he stopped in, yeah, which is the town of Tull. Which and in which the man in black laid him a trap, which resulted in Roland killing the entire town, Jeez. over fifty people. Jesus wept because he turned. He turned. He managed to turn the entire town against Roland, and it's it, you know it takes its time and he it, it spends a couple of days in this town and estab- helps establish the world. Mm. And, you know this sort of fucking crapsack West. It's it's an old West by way of post apocalypse. Yeah, it's 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 all the dirty grungier bits of Firefly without the spaceships. Yeah, it, it, um, it's like oh this is shit really to live in we've not gone back to the stone age we've sort of maintained the civilization but it's clearly been a long decline from when we were technologically advanced to sort of like more of an old west sort of feel um with a with a hint of magic Um, because the man in black is in the film they describe him as a sorcerer is that correct yeah no he's a sorcerer because part part of what you get in the backstory later on is that he infiltrated the the court of the gunslingers Mm -hmm. with this the, the city state of Gilead where the gunslingers were in power and they... Basically the knights of the round table yeah. with guns. Yeah. yeah. And Roland is like the, the the heir to the leader of them. Stephen yeah. is his father. Um, Walter O'Dim, or Martin Blackcloak as he was then, mm-hmm. he infiltrates the court and turns everyone against each other and there's a war with John Farson, who is an agent of the Crimson King and he's just around all the Balinese and then he creates Gilead and and Martin slash Walter slash the man in black like creates discontent in the court and he gets he manages to um orchestrate the murder of Roland's mother. I can't remember if Roland kills her or Stephen kills her. But like he and then like the murder of the death of Roland's father and then Roland has to take the leadership of the of the gunslingers after yeah. the fall of Gilead and try and take the war to them and then the Battle of Jericho Hill happens and all his friends die and that's and where the series begins. That's when the series begins. The yeah. man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. Um and he is hot on it and he's getting closer to him. Yeah. Um and that's and then after you have this flashback of to Tull, and then um he goes on across the desert and he's he's getting to the end of his sort of stamina and he can't go much further and he finds an old way station and there's a boy in there who appears to have not been there very long mm-hmm. and doesn't know where he is. Yeah. And that's Jake. Yeah. And it turns out that Jake was killed by the man in black in his universe yeah. and woke up in this one. Okay. That's Funky. what happens. Yeah. Um, 
and then and then it literally is a pursuit. The whole that whole first book is a pursuit. It is the man in black fled across the desert, and the gunslinger followed. Not Roland and his pet boy, and Matthew McConaughey <laughs> being smug in a base. He's not fleeing anywhere. He's just going back to his base and going. Well, he's hidden, I've already won. Yeah, even though he's got a giant fucking base on fucking a mountain Star surrounded Wars by base on a mountain, yeah. surrounded by a village of like very contemporary modern homes where a stock it's of children really being strange. kept a stock of children including two twins singing a song about come play with us as an obvious reference to the bloody there is again. something um, again there is something like that in the books but this is a really bastardised sort of well, here's the thing. simplified version of it. You could tell they were upset. They were worried about upsetting younger audience members because the kids are basically, they all have an element of the shine, apparently. They're taken because yeah. they all have some form of psychic ability, whether they know it or not. Yeah. There's a farm of them basically in these nice homes and they're playing and they're having fun where obviously these kids have been kept there long enough that they've just gone, oh, cool, like, we don't have any grown-ups. This is great. And they've just, like, they're all sort of of varying ages where you can see them either being fine with that or being a bit concerned. Mm. And then they're brought in in groups and they're all the long-game freaking Simon Pegg, Jagrafest, head-opened to death. Yeah. But you don't see the aftermath of them being used. Nope. And at no point does anyone describe it. Do they die? Do the children burn up and die? Because if they don't, apparently they're in no danger. We don't know. Nope. We never find out. At all. So when Jake's strapped to that chair at the end, it's like, okay, yeah, the threat is that apparently the universe will crumble because of a dark force from outside that's going to come in as soon as the tower falls. But is Jake going to be all right? Probably will be. Yeah. Don't know. Who We've knows? got no idea. Who knows? But at the same time, they kill off his stepdad and his mum. So they're not afraid of showing death. Yeah, they're giving this family, again, different from the books. Yeah. Where... He's got a dead dad and his mum's sort of... In, in the books, Jake's from like a well-off yeah. New York couple who kind of don't really regard him. Yeah, like he's, he, sort of he's, like, the, he's the inconvenience. Yeah, like, he's yeah, the he's kid sort of that like, was probably fascinating when they had him and then they're like, oh, I kind of just want to be me now. Yeah, and he just gets he just gets carted off to a, a... You know, he's got a professional living nanny and he, he gets carted off to private school and private yeah. tutors and all that stuff. And he's, and he's discontent and he knows that he's... But he's not having visions of another world. Yeah. And again, I get why they use Jake as an in for it, and there's a way to do that, but they just throw out so much of the interest and stuff. Well, apparently his the... dad died in a car crash at some point. His dad was a fireman. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. In a, in a, um, is a, I'm sure they say it was a crash. Maybe. But, but he was a fireman. But, but yeah. just had no real bearing I, on Well, we don't it. see any flashback or anything to get to know him, and yet he's an illusion later on, uses yeah. a trick, and we're, we see a we're expected to just, yeah, we're expected to know who it is. Yeah. His stepdad's a dick for reasons. And his mum is pretty much an innocent in the entire thing. His mum doesn't really have a character. Yeah. Although I feel I felt bloody sorry for her when like she in her final moments, which yeah. we found out were final moments later. But um and the the death of uh Roland's father and, and Jake's father was like the stepdad with the same death. Like the man in black just says, Stop breathing. So she does a couple of times, breathing. yeah. Yeah. Which is I mean, I'll admit, like that's that's a horrific thing to see on screen. That's pretty horrific. But we won't show the kids dying because we don't want you to be scared. So uh, don't worry about it. Hey, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. It's going to be all right. Jackie L. Haley, once again, misused. Like Jackie L. Haley is often, often done. Yeah. Um, although it was hilarious like when he like smashes into the bus or whatever and he climbed out and like approached um, Idris Elba like all menacing and the way they angle the shot like he sort of looks like oh god he's coming for him and I just thought <laughs> he's like two foot yeah <laughs> he's, like two, he's, like, he's like five foot two and Idris Elba's like six foot three and it's like this is not 
that intimidating, really, is no. it? Like, stick him in, in, in burn makeup and give him a clawed glove hand, or stuck in it, put an ink blot over his face and give him a trench coat. Like, yeah, Jackie O'Haley can be a very intimidating character when he's, like, given the right thing to work with. This just isn't working. <laughs> this no. really isn't working. And I think that's, that's the, probably <laughs> the final word on the film, is like, None of this really works. It works. And it's Akiva Golden's fault, probably. Probably. Akiva Golden, who has written Oscar-winning script and also Batman and Robin. Yeah. So, do with that what you will. It was, it's been... There was four writers on this thing. Oh, and it's a, God. It's a, Ron Howard produced it. It's a strip... Well, originally it was supposed to be Ron Howard and J.J. Abrams doing it with Javier Bardem as Which Roland. Would, oh! Oh, but how many years ago was it? This was like ten years ago. Oh, that would have been amazing. And it was going to be like... Movie. Series. Movie, oh. series, movie, TV series, movie, TV series. Yes. Um, but they didn't end up doing that. Because... Well, in a world of Sony rebooting shit quicker than you can say, it just, oh shit. It just proves mm. how bland you have to make a movie to get it made. Yeah. Because they stripped out all the interesting stuff about the Dark Tower yeah. to get it made. So it's like, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth making all those compromises to get it adapted because by the time it gets to the screen, all the stuff that was so great about the original source material is pretty much gone. It's disappeared. Like, yeah. it's not there. Um, I think it was in Movie Bob's review where he said something like, wow, I can't believe that January's come so early. Something <laughs> like that. It's just, it's just like, oh God, you're right. Like, this is the sort of film that they usually shoot on to the start of the year because they just want to get it under the radar and, and make a bit of I think it makes a bit more sense now why the marketing campaign has been so rushed and... Because mm, they yeah. they don't know what film they're making, and um, like, we didn't get a trailer until like three months ago. Yeah, well, which for which for a big temple movie like lot. this, that's yeah, that's late. Well, this is Sony's big summer movie. This and the Emoji movie were their big summer movies. Uh, I imagine both have underperformed. Emoji movies done very well, but nowhere near what they projected. Well, yeah, because of course word of mouth killed it and the majority of the money it's made has been from stupid parents trying to pacify their stupid children or, or from people going oh go on I can't wait to see how much of a train wreck this is <laughs> and still giving it money instead of doing what they should do if you go, if you want to go watch something you know will be a train wreck go and see it after opening weekend yeah, yeah. because yes you're giving them the, their money but you're not giving them the money when it matters to them and it'll be quieter so yeah yeah that too um, um, so yeah yes uh, anyway, that's enough about the Dark Tower. Let's talk about... Before we get to emails, let's let's do our the, usual Rick and Morty corner. The, the dark, whatever the structure is that they had to go through in this week's Rick and Morty, which was Vindicators 3! The Return of World Ender. A title like that, I was like, wait, what? Huh? And it's, basi- it's basically a sort of, I can't tell how affectionate it was. I think it was a bit of both. I think it was but a bit was, of disdain and appreciation. But it was it was very much a parody of the Avengers slash Guardians of the Galaxy superhero yeah. team up movies and summed up beautifully in the first couple of minutes where they're like, Look, it was last summer, it was everybody was talking about it, it was great, let's just let it go. Yeah. It's gonna be boring now. Because uh, this was basically a sequel for Rick and Morty and a three call for the superhero team themselves. To adventures we've not seen. Yeah, which is just, that's so... It's great. It's so great. It's brilliant. Um, but it's also a giant mashup of, like, Saw as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think to the point where he says, like, are you sawing the Vindicators? And it's like, no. It's like, okay, so this first Saw thing I'm going to put you through. <laughs> yeah. And it reminded, it reminded me of the Red Dwarf episode, Fathers and Sons, the one where Lister, uh, like, as his dad... Yeah. 
whilst bladdered the night before, records a series of punishments and tests for Lister as his own son the next morning. That he was uh. too drunk to remember setting himself. So it's brand new. Because basically the plot is a superhero team call in Rick and Morty that they've probably worked with before. And it sounds like the only reason they've done it is because their um, diversity-centric members have been killed off in their second adventure. So they've had to bring back Rick. And also Morty really likes them. And then we find out later the only reason they keep Morty around is because he's the, quote, disabled kid they do photo ops with. Yep. <laughs> I'm just like, oh yep. my god. Um, they bring him in to help take on, what's he called, World Ender? World Ender. Who we saw in the like pictures promo in the series. We saw the design yeah, of World Ender. Yeah, yeah. And it's like this big, like, bony-faced, one-eyed, like, goliath of sinew. and mo- Like, it looks like something out of Doom. It looks like something that one of the demons from Doom shat out and then bred to be more powerful than it. Like, it's just this horrible, gory thing. Yeah. And when we first meet it, it's already dead. Because Rick got there the night before. He was jealous of, of Morty's affection of the Vindicators. Yeah, well, and yeah. He is. He doesn't That's admit true. it. And That's even true. at the very end, he doesn't admit it. Yeah. Um, and he gets so drunk... <laughs> That he creates a series of death traps for them before he uh, shits himself and passes out on their conference room table. Yeah, because when we first see him before the mission, there's just diarrhea everywhere. And poor Noop Noop, who was so excited to go on his first oh, mission, has to stay in behind. Yeah, Mr. Puppy but Whole Mac 3. Yeah. Uh, has to stay behind. Justin Rollins is starting to do the same voice over and over again now. He's like, South Parking. But as long as yeah. he does it for one character per series, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I like, mean. Fair enough. Just, I just. As much as I like this show, I just don't want Justin Roiland's ego to get in the way of it. Yeah, I don't know if it's ego. I think it's, uh, well, he's definitely it's, got... You can ego. see it, but it's I think ego. with those characters, it's more a case of he's improv something and they've gone, that's great, just do that into the microphone. It's like, okay. It's the same as what you did for Miss Me Butthole, but do it again. Hey, if Trey Parker um, and Matt Stone can get away with doing the same two voices for over ten oh, years... Oh, <laughs> Trey Parker and Matt Stone are not safe from my scathing criticism. <laughs> I watched so much South Park in this house. Not willingly, I'll add. I mean, I like South Park, but my girlfriend watches a lot of South Park. You like South Park, but your girlfriend She loves South, South Park. Park. And, um, yeah, it gets a bit samey after a while. And I can see why they're... Yeah. But hey, yeah. at least they have more than... No, they not. They just have two voices. They just each. have two voices. Have two yeah. voices yeah. Um, to the point where several characters can be in the same. A thing which, like, Family Guy parodied when they finally got Doctor Carlton and um, and uh, Mister Pudishmit in a scene together. Like after like seven seasons, they spoke and they both clearly had the same voice, and they make sort of a reference to it, whatever. And it's like, oh, like there you go. But you know, South Park, you have multiple characters in the same scene who sound exactly the same. Um, Mr. Uh, Noob Noob does sound like Mr. Poopy Butthole slash Mr. And Mr. looks Seeds. like Mr. Poopy Butthole. Definitely looks like Mr. Poopy Butthole. It sort of looks like Mr. Poopy Butthole and Steely. Yeah. <laughs> Who also was uh, Mr. Poopy Butthole God. with long arms. It's worth 25 schmeckles. Um, but I love the fact that like it turns out that on at least in terms of the resolution he allowed them to hear, and I think it's true as well, but like the more affection and obviously the jealousy of that is is clearly his main motivation. Yeah. But it turns out the whole thing was because he's sick of the way the Vindicators treat Noob Noob. And he hopes this is his first mission. He's like, we can't be together. Like, I'm not going to come back, but I hope you're the best. We could have been best fucking friends, man. We could have a great time, but I hope you're happy and all this. 
thing is, Noob Noob doesn't go on the mission because he has to stay behind to clear up the diarrhea that Rick shat everywhere. Yep. And then at the end of it, he doesn't even know that that's why he did it. Because at the end, it's like, where's Noob Noob? And he's like, who the fuck is Noob Noob? <laughs> no, wait, wait. What? <laughs> yeah, it's a great episode. Some great gags. The Vindicator designs are fucking yeah. great. Like, um, especially, um, oh God, what's the, the train guy? I can't remember what his name is. I know Lance oh, Reddick plays him. Oh, it's something in. Rails, isn't it? Yeah, let me... Is it Lance Rails? Ha- something like uh, that. Alan Rails. Alan Ra- yeah, Lance Reddick plays him. Um, so good. And it's, yeah, it's... So good. Like, a million ants. <laughs> um, million ants? He's a million ants. That's what he is. Um, Tom, <laughs> Crocudile? Crocubot. 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 Um... <laughs> No, another great uh, Maurice LaMarche performance. Um, yeah, it's just... Also, if you notice, this, this is the first one in a while where Beth and Summer have not really been apart. They, they popped in at the end for like a line each. Yeah. No Jerry. Although what I've seen of next week, I believe we're going to get a Jerry-heavy episode. Jerry, yeah. Which I'm happy with because I do love some Jerry. Yeah, Alan Rails, Alan Rails. Is, the, is the train conductor. Um, <laughs> Supernova is the... the Captain Universe style. Yes, character. yeah. They weren't um, even they weren't even covering that. That's why I think there was affection in there. Because like that was so blatantly Captain Universe yeah, and the design and, and so the and such and an such an odd pull. Yeah. Um <laughs> Christian Slater was Vance Maximus Renegade Star Soldier. <laughs> of course he was. Which is continuing the tradition of getting a big star for a booking and then having that character be killed off very quickly. And it is in like two scenes. And definitely, you know, he's affectionate because it's all at once a reference to Star Lord. And Vance Astro from the original Guardians. Yes. It's like, fucking hell, that's a deep pull. So they did their homework there. They did, um, and then shredded it to the spine. It's fun. Down to it's the base fun. of the pelvis, and then kept shredding it. <laughs> in, in, surprising no one, we really like this week's freaking more. Yay! Um, right, on to emails. On to emails. Let's get this show off the road. Um, <laughs> first one comes in from Dan Rawlings. Dan! Um, Hello. Tocho. So yesterday I realised I have shitloads of classic episodes to watch. Oh, by the way, we need to get your disappointment and reluctance hat on because it's a, it's a Doctor Who email. Um, Madden um, to lifelong Doctor Who fans reluctantly answer Doctor Who questions. Here we go. Which ones do you In recommend? In a mo. Here is the question. Ow. 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 Which ones do you recommend? Ow. Stop it. Wait, that wasn't you? No, it was yourself. You got worked with such a tizzy. You started hitting yourself. Self-slapulation. Um, which ones do you recommend watching? They don't have to be featured in the attached photo, but it would be helpful. Fan- <laughs> thanks for making me nearly piss myself from laughing so much whilst out with the dog. Um, <laughs> well, if you're walking the dog, you probably could have got away with pissing. What we, you what we got here? Do a cheeky um, little piss. What we got here? We got the, a cheeky little piss. the beginning box set. It's all very good. It's all very good. That's good. Um, what heart and love you got? I've not seen Time Meddler. Time Meddler's... Really? Yeah, I've not seen it. Time Meddler's one of my favourites. I don't have it. Oh my god! Well, we're having a we're having a watch party. Um, time Meddler, Time Meddler. I recommend that one for both time of you, Meddler. you uh, and Dan. Time War, Meddler's great. War Machine is all right. He's brilliant in it. Yeah. Um, and the ending's great. And the opening's got this beautiful lie where he's trying to. Oh, who's the companion who's just joined him? Uh, Stephen. Time Meddler. Yeah. And he's 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 like, what the hell's going on here? And he's trying to explain it to him. Like the TARDIS to him, and he just basically sums it up as like, oh, "This is the console. That's a chair. That's a stuffed bear. Share poetry, dear boy." <laughs> it's, just, it's the first time that Hartnell is now just starting to be like, "I'm just going to be a cheeky little fucker now." Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because his grand his grandchild has gone, and Ian and Barbara have gone by this point, and he's finally just sort of going, "Oh, screw it! I'm going to be a daft little bastard." Well, let's let's go doctor by doctor. Um, based on oh, the stuff they find a Viking helmet on the shore, and he says, well, "What else do you think it is, dear boy? A space helmet for a cow?" 
just like <laughs> the first Doctor's gone sassy by yeah. this point, and it's also the first appearance of another Time Lord. Yes, so it's worth a watch. It's worth um, a watch. What you got? Uh, yeah, uh, the War Machines. Um, I do like the War right. Machines. I think you might have to do it in a couple settings because it does kind of get a bit. It's a bit slow. It is worth it for the fact that he just leaves his companion behind. Oh, yeah. No. Screw Dodo. Yeah, fuck that. I'm going. Plus, it's got some. It's one of the first times where they really indulge in London. Yeah. And you sort of like. It's one of the first ones where geographically they let you know where they are for definite. Yeah. Like the post office tower plays a big part, like now the BT tower. So, whenever you're in that part of London, you do find yourself going like, ah! And also, Doctor Who is required. Doctor Who is required. Um, that will either entertain you massively or annoy you to buggery. So go for it. Now, in terms of Trouton, you've got Invasion, Crotons, and that's it. You're missing Tomb of the Cybermen, buddy. Get yourself on Tomb of the Cybermen. Um, and if you've got like a weekend spare, do War Games because War Games is great, but it's long. Um, it's what, sorry? Long. Uh, um, I noticed you've got the original Spirit from Space Release. Mate, put aside some spare change, get the Mannequin Mania box set so you can have the better version of Spearhead and Terror of the Autons. Because they're cause, both great. They're yeah. essential Pertwees. Um, and make a great double bill as well. What you got there? You you got, got, what else you got? We're looking, we're looking at pictures Claw, of DVDs. Green Death. Love the Green Death. Green Death. Yeah, that's great. a good one. Um, Claws of Axos is so campy. It's like <laughs> Doctor Who does Life Force. Oh, you should watch Life Force. It's a great movie. Um... You got you got a lot of the good ones. You got uh, get yourself um, get yourself some Tower Experiment and uh, Robot and Revenge of the Cybermen to finish out that first Tom season because it's really strong. Um, Seeds of Doom's great. Deadly yeah, Robots of Death. Robots of Death. One of my favourite stories. Yeah. One of my favourite stories. Well, good. Well, good. Well, good. Um, any other big ones? Cage Van Drizani, you got that one. Yeah, so go for it. Five Doctors if you just fancy indulging for no reason. Yeah, I do not, love it. I do love it. It's not very good, though. It's great. Think, it's not good, but it's great. I think you've got most of your bases covered there, to be honest. I think you've got all the sort of essentials. Um, Chuck, I would... Chuck in a Vengeance on Varus for good measure. You've got Vengeance on Varus. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Curse of Fenric at back end as well. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, because that's a, the last three... The last season of for, Sylve, yeah. for Sylve is, is is pretty is pretty strong. What's the last seasons? Uh, it's, it's Battlefield, Battlefield. Ghostlight, Curse of Fenric, and Survival. Oh, I thought Greatest Show was in the last season. That's the season no. before, isn't it? Yeah. Ghostlight is almost incomprehensible, but it's kind of dreamy and weird, and I like it a lot. <laughs> um, it, so it's 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 barely that was the review for my memoir, funny. Yeah, enough. it's it's barely coherent, <laughs> but I quite like it, and it's got a sort of weird dream logic to it. Um. Yeah, you just finish watching that shelf, and whichever doctor you like most, go more in that direction. But I am honest. The one thing that I would recommend and add into that shelf post haste is um, Tomb of the Cybermen. Absolutely more. Got it. Um, By Jingo. But you've got a, you've got a good start there. Um, Jacob. Not Jacob. Not Jacob. Oh, it's Jacob. Oh, big damn cockers. <laughs> I don't know what to think of the voice Matthew Love and Monster Watson gave me, even though I'm from Bradford and sound nothing like that, so I'm honoured. <laughs> anyway, this part is actually a thanks to Lucy Kingsman, The Secret Service. is currently my favourite movie, replacing the spot of Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, so thanks very much, madam. <laughs> I'm just slightly creepy the way you said that. I watch Love and Monsters, Fear Her, and The Idiot's Lantern. They're all excellent, especially Love and Monsters. 
I don't know why it gets so much hate. It's so good. I really enjoy it as an episode of Doctor Who. It's one of the best episodes of Series 2, in my opinion. Me and Christopher Let's Kill Hitler Johnson should really do that commentary sometime, even though I'm virtually unknown. I would generally do it. Matt can sit in the corner with his fingers in his ears and singing Doctor in Distress. That's just how I spend most of my Sunday evenings. I started to watch the Batman animated series. It's absolutely excellent and should be the template for what DC is doing with the DC universe. Yes. Agreed. They'll yes, never do it, it should though. be. They'll never freaking um, do it, but agreed. I want to ask you a question. What in the name of Stan Lee and Dougie Adams do you have against the Spider-Man animated series from the 90s? It's absolutely excellent and your opinion is wrong if you think otherwise. Kidding. From the man with the magic and golden knees, love Jacob, sent from Chameleon's Wi-Fi enabled 10-inch knob. You've got a bit of a fixation on Wi-Fi enabled fallacies, Jacob. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, Spider-Man animated series? It's, I, it's just a clusterfuck. It's just not very good, is it? Do, do you some favour. Like, here's a, uh, pacing is very important to me when it comes to storytelling. Like, it's really a really important part of telling a story. Yeah. Be it just sitting there and telling one or filming a story or anything. Like, books, like, the way you pace a story has a big impact on how it sticks with the person who's absorbing it. And also just holding attention. Watch that Spider-Man animated series. Watch any episode and tell me Whenever you spot a moment where there is silence, ever, and now the score could be playing, so just characters talking. No dialogue. No dialogue, ever, and explosion sounds don't count. There's no dialogue for more than two seconds. Mm. You will not find it in any of the seasons. It doesn't stop and it's because at that point in the 90s the fox kids and all that one of the mission statements that's since like come out was kids won't hold it won't hold their attention unless we keep at it yeah and the thing is x-men didn't do that and x-men has lived a much better shelf life after it finished than spider-man has um because it knew how to tell stories. Yeah, it has some naff stuff. That's one of the worst Irish and Scottish accents in recording history. But <laughs> like it, oh, ter- any of the episodes set in Ireland is painful to listen to. Yeah. But um, the Spider-Man animated series is just it never stops. It's like I gotta go back, get back to Aunt May. Oh, spider sense is tingling. <laughs> the hobgoblin, and it's just, it never stopped. It's obnoxious. It's just not aged as well as the X-Men cartoon. I mean, the X-Men cartoon is is deeply flawed by today's standards, but mm-hmm. it's got. It's got a bit more to it in the writing, and yeah. the and the animation's slightly better. I mean, I'm no, I've not got a problem with poor animation. I've been rewatching the original Transformers animated series recently, and that has <laughs> some of the worst animation that you will see in an '80s TV show. It's Transformers. It's also got some of the best. Are you buying toys? Particularly in the last, there's a couple of episodes in the last season that were done by different animation studios, which have some really nice animation in. Mm. But like that first season is really rough. <laughs> it's full of animation errors and, and characters using the wrong voice and stuff. But Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the, the, the animated series from the '80s, the first story arc, which is. Yeah. Um, it's one or two episodes. was originally released as like four promo cartoons. Oh wow! To sell the toys. I mean, that's what all so, those cartoons were. In the you 80s, know the yeah. opening, the opening sequence, like the, the shot of them all in the first series, where they're all like leaping over the camera and they're in shadow, and it's yeah, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's from that, and it was basically they made they commissioned like a half hour animated story split into parts, um, to sell the toys. And then obviously it did well, and the toys were already out, and they sold well, so they went, right, yeah. screw it, we'll just put it to a whole series order. So they did. So when you watch the beginning of that show, it looks amazing, and then by episode like three or four, you're like, 
Oh. Yeah, yeah. No! And that's yeah. how it looks for the rest of it going forward. Yeah. But I still like it, you know? I still have yeah. a soft spot for it. Like, as long as the storytelling's um, good, like, like Transformers, the original run, like, they obviously went, this is to sell toys, but we could tell some good stories with They this. don't, though. They don't. They don't. They don't tell good stories. <laughs> no. Oh, shit. Uh, they do some interesting stuff in the second and third seasons. The first series is just, like, generic. Well, the movies are Here's, here's the, the, oh, the movie's awesome. Here's, here's <laughs> MacGuffin, and the, the Autobots have to defend the, the, the MacGuffin from the Decepticons. And the, because uh, it saved the MacGuffin. The, 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 and then they blow up, and then Starscream does and something <laughs> treacherous, and then Megatron goes, ah, Prime, and Prime goes, ah, Megatron, and then they go away again. Um... <laughs> Uh, plus, if you want a good Spider-Man cartoon, just watch Spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah. It, um, it's pretty much perfect. Don't watch Spider-Man Unlimited. Um, no. Charlie returns to the email pool. What? He's been a busy old beaver. A busy um, old bearded beaver. Hello, my darlings. Huge apologies for the inexcusable delay between emails, but as you both know, I've been uncharacteristically busy of late. No apologies necessary. We like it when you're busy, Charles. We like it when you're busy. We like you having fingers in many pies. Yeah. Oh, madam! It's not, yes. a it's not a euphemism. I hope it's going wonderfully for you. Um, I've taken to reading American Alien by the wonderful... Mm, that's mm, debatable. I Max agree. Landis. I, <laughs> I, I like Max Landis. I don't know if I call him wonderful. He's <laughs> kind of a bit of a douche. But I'll, I'll like him. Um, as but per he's your, my douche. As per your recommendation several months ago, and I'm very much enjoying it, so thank you for that. American Alien is very good. It's a damn good um, series. Landis clearly has a huge love for the character and is able to tell several engaging and exciting stories over the course of Clark's life without ever feeling the need to break the will of the character to fit a dark and moody tone. Um, with that and Dirk Gentler and Chronicle amongst many notable others Landis seems to have his fingers in many nerdy pies oh. and See, it's not a euphemism but it is when you say it like that and is finding success although I doubt he'd consider it such in each medium to, he has a go at my question to you is what other writer or creative mind would you like to see make a jump to or from comic books or from other media what stories would you want to tell what property would do well under their leadership as always smooches and apologies for the radio silence of late kiss kiss um <laughs> No apologies necessary, Charles. Yeah, what? who would you like to see jump ship to or from comics? Good um, question. Um, it's been happening recently. I mean, Brian K. Vaughan has always had one um, foot in the TV world and one foot in the comics world. More the comics world. Hmm. But he's done some... He did some, some decent work on Lost before that went um, south. And he's been got various TV projects up and, up and running. Um, Jonathan Hickman, who I spoke got very highly of for his fantastic full work and... Um, his yeah, Avengers work amongst as well as his creator own stuff. He did some work on Westworld, first season of Westworld. So because he's not really doing it comics apart from creator own stuff at the moment. Um, I'd love to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what would I love to oh, see? Yeah. What would you love to see? I'll tell, I'll tell you which writer I'd like to see give a dabble with comics at least once just to see what the result would be considering his anthology television work I want to see Charles um, Charlton uh, I want to see uh, Charles Charlie, Charlie, hey! I'm gonna write a comic book I want to see Charlie Brooker write a comic yeah I would read the shit out of it especially like a if, especially anthology if title went, yeah I mean even if it is just something as simple as oh we're going to do just like a, a mini Black Mirror mm. like a one-off like an annual or something mm. I 
read the hell out of it. Do you think um, there, are there any existing comic properties you think Charlie Brooker should have a crack at? Uh, oh well, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's ongoing at the moment. Uh, I, I haven't collected it for a few years. I think it was Boom Studios were publishing it when I got it. But um, I know it's 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 a very obvious transition. But if he had a go at a couple issues of the Twilight Zone comic, I wouldn't say no. JMS started that off and it was pretty strong. Hmm. Um, I don't know. And in terms of like other writers jumping mediums. Um, I don't know. I'd like to see Kieran Gillen bring some of his creator own stuff oh, to TV, maybe. Photogram yeah. or Wicked in the Divine, something like that. Yeah, oh god, that's a really good show, actually. Mm. Kieran, I think Kieran Gillen would be a really good one. Photogram, I think, particularly could be like a nice little, not sort of sexy channel for drama. <laughs> sexy. About, sexy channel for. About people who do magic with music. Um, I'd love to see. Some of Cy Spurrier's work could actually yeah, translate quite well to screen. Maybe um, Charles Stross coming on and doing some Hellblazer or something like that. Um, he's very good at that sort of urban fantasy magic stuff. Oh, I'll tell you what. Considering um, how much people have been shitting all over Suicide Squad and getting it wrong, hmm. I would love for someone to just say, Hey, Gail Simone, plot out a Suicide Squad animated series. I'm pretty sure she's probably already done that on Twitter. She does a lot of that kind of she stuff. She does, but it would mm. be it would be fascinating to see what would happen if she was just given the, the visual medium to play with and she could like write that story. Would you like to see Kevin Smith or Joss Whedon or Alan Heinberg come back to comics? I'd like to see Kevin Smith come back to comics simply because I want him and Walt to finish Cacophony Part 2. Mm. Because they've been... Their series, they were told... Widening Gaia, wasn't it? Well, yeah, it was Cacophony, yeah. then Widening Gaia... It was originally going to be Winding Jai Part 1 and Winding Jai Part 2, but I think I think they've mentioned that the third one has been retitled because he has written a chunk of it. Yeah. Um, and Walter has illustrated, I think, the first two issues of it. But they want to get it... Because with Kevin Smith's history with deadlines and comics, they want to make sure it's completed before they hand it over. Um, yeah. So, yeah. which is a smart decision. Um, but the reason why I want to see that completed is because when the New 52 happened, Kevin wrote to DC and, and went, oh, um... So, like, does ours count then? Because our series obviously like had a continuity. Yeah, where does this leave? Very much in the old continuity. Yeah. And uh, I think it was Dan Dio went like, just do you know what? Yours is set whenever you want it to be. So if you if you feel like you want to change it to fit the new fifty two, go for it. Yeah. But if you'd rather it stay in the old continuity, it's yours. Hell, technically, you you could write the last Batman story. Yeah, it can be in Elseworlds. That's yeah, yeah which which I always kind of took it as a bit of an Elseworlds anyway, just because uh, like it, it dives back at a Silver Saint Cloud and, yeah. and things like that yeah. in a way that is not remotely referenced elsewhere. That's why I always kind of took it as a it's in its own little pocket. Um, but it, you know, an Elseworld now could be considered the original continuity, even after Rebirth. Like the original continuity itself is sort of considered a separate thing. Yeah, yeah. So this could be the original continuity's last Batman story. So he said when he found that out, if he went... Comes out. But when he found that out, he was like, oh God, like, oh God, I know where I want to take this. Uh-huh. So like, he already had the idea and he began to change the ending. So I want him to get back just so we can see that. J. Michael Straczynski has done a lot of TV and a lot of comics. Oh, aye. He's seen he's retired from comics now. Huh. Is there a comic book adaptation you'd like to see him tackle uh, on TV? Because he's, he's big well, on TV. Like one of his works brought to TV. Anything. Is there example. any? Is there any? Is there any comics property you wouldn't mind seeing J. Michael Straczynski bring to TV? Not necessarily hmm. his property. I was thinking yeah. that he might be a good fit for something like a Green Lantern after his work on Babylon Five. 
It's not a bad shout. Um, I mean, the Green Lantern show would be good if they could do it right. Uh, yeah, then again, so. JMS's handling of Twilight Zone for the comics, like he's pretty good with anthology as well. Yeah. So I'd like to see some more indie stuff. I'd like to see something like Twisted Dark brought to the screen. Yeah, I think I'd like to see some more... Because that's, you know, just quirky, creepy short stories. But some of them are more horror, some of them as are lighter. M- as much as I love superhero stuff, I want, I'd want. i like to see some more indie-style books. Like I yeah. say, like Phonogram, Wicked and the Divine and stuff brought to... Brought to... Uh... Could sex criminals translate to TV? Sex, sex criminals would be hard. Yeah. Um, but it'd be nice to set up a set HBO, maybe? Matt Fraction <laughs> and Chip Zdarsky's humour would be nice to get on screen. It's a, it's a shame they've gone the way they've gone... In a way, it's a shame they've gone the, the way they've gone with Hawkeye in the movies, because that Matt Fraction Hawkeye series... Oh, that would be great. ...would have been a great sort of Netflix-style show. Who, who's the Hawkeye? Kate... Bishop. Kate Bishop. Kate yeah. Bishop. She, I mean, there's perfect springboard right there. You do a TV show. Oh my God, you do a freaking show where you have like Jeremy Renner in it for half of series one and then you hand the reins over to her as the show goes It'd on. It'd have to be a very different show though just because of the character that Clint Barton is in the comics. Yeah, I suppose. Um, he's a complete fuck up. Well, you could incorporate more of his characteristics into her character and have Kate Bishop lead it and him sort of be a bookend, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um... Because then you get basically like Jessica Jones with a bow and arrow. Like I wouldn't exactly have a problem with that. That'd well, be no, because Kate Bishop's like rich oh, no, but teenage. I mean, like, if she was taking on more of his character oh, from that book. Like, maybe. I don't know. Um, damn it, Charles. That's I think that's one we're gonna have to like topic yeah. that maybe. Anyone I see anyone dream, want, dream, anyone dream, like dream see dream teams at some come point. from film and TV into. Um, Springs to mind at the moment. <laughs> Give him time. Yeah. He, he'll know. Yeah. We'll all know. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a bit weird, wasn't it? Dun 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 dun. Lewis Christian. Oh, do we or do we not endorse his views? Time to find out. Hello, dear. Kids. I am Mrs. Maria Mabacha, the widow of Sinny Abner, the late Nigerian head of state. Don't know why she's Jordy. I am presently under stress and under house arresting while my son Mohammed undergoing trial in Lagos and Abuja, though he's recently granted bail on the condition that family of mine refunds all money. To save bankruptcy, I must manage ship to you the total sum USD 6.5 million kept. Please, you reply email address, phone number, bank account, and name. Also, what do you make of Bradley Walsh being the new Doctor Who companion? Lots of love with this. Ah, the unconfirmed story that Bradley Walsh is the new companion. Yeah, everyone's Doctor taking it as confirmed, or like. This is coming from the Daily Mirror, you know, the guys who said that Chris Marshall was going to be the Doctor, so... Yeah, so like, there you go. I I don't hate the idea. I think an older male companion is an interesting way to go. Yeah, um, but at the same time, I, th- I kind of would have preferred that, weirdly, during the time of a male Doctor. Because there was mm. hints of it with Brian Williams, which was nice for the brief moment of or so we got i'm you brian williams and wilf was really cool i'm worried that the older male companion is being brought in if it, if this is the case as a replacement for there not being an older male yeah. character um uh but at the same time like, i don't know I, I i like him as an actor when i've seen him yeah, acting Walsh, stuff, he's, i like him fine. a lot he was a villain in sarah jane he was like bob the clown and he, and he, uh, he was also a mainstay of, of law and order UK, UK which yeah, which Chibnall worked on. Fucking terrible. So, Chibnall worked on it. 
Uh, well, Chibnall's yeah. worked on things that have not been good, let's be yeah. honest. Um, he's, he's far from faultless. Yeah. And we've yet to see what he'll actually do with Doctor Who. Yeah. So, you know. I don't know. Like, uh, nah. It makes sense for Chibnall to bring on somebody he's worked with before. I'd rather Bradley Walls play a significant character that they encounter, to be honest. It's all going to depend on the dynamic. Well, yeah. it depends on the dynamic between between him and, and the Doctor, mm. so we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. I have, uh, currently, I have little to no opinion. Um, <laughs> finally, hi, Ginger Luke here again. I'm writing a short essay for my own entertainment. If it's already written, I won't have to do it for homework. Okay. Uh, on John Hughes' teen comedies, I would love a quotation from both of you on them. Um, why? I... I don't know what you want us to say. I couldn't give you one. I'll be brutally honest. I'm not um, familiar enough with the work of John Hughes to have a quotation you could use. I'm so sorry. I don't know. I don't really. I've not taken the John Hughes dive and, and sort of absorbed his works in their complete form. So I would be a very lax authority for you to even reference in your essay. Sorry. That'd be like asking them Juan Sheet what he thinks of um, Bounty. He's like, well, he's not going to tell you about that, is he? I'll tell you about that. You did talk about... Hang on. Which one does one sheet represent? Can't remember. Point plenty. is... No, I, plenty. Plenty. Well, there you go. Plenty. Point is, I, I couldn't, mate, because um, I, I don't have any authority or indeed knowledge. I have no authority or knowledge about John Hughes movies. What I would say is... Um, really good, aren't they? Um, no, mate. They're hugely influential and they sort of define a generation through the eyes of the people watching it. Regardless of how accurate the words of how teenagers were then, they've been so influential as to as to become the, the default depiction of that generation's teenagers, um, in America at least. So they've got that going from as a legacy. Um, no, that's a damn good quote. Have, <laughs> that's a damn good quote. Use that. <laughs> have either of you been watching Trust Me? I have, and I'm enjoying it. No. no. Um... <laughs> What is your favourite one of Anthony Michael Hall's roles? Mine are either Rusty Griswold or Mike from Community. Um, Anthony Michael Hall is the nerd dude in Breakfast Club. Right. And that's kind of all I remember him from. Oh, and Weird Science as well. Um, so Breakfast Club, because that's pretty much all I can is remember. Is he like, do, do we have to know who Chad Michael Vincent is? <laughs> When finished, should I email my Hughes essay in for you to read out? Uh, I don't think it's it will have a, a place on our show. I mean, I don't know if we'll get time to do it or if it's the kind of thing that we would make a gap for. But if you want me to email him, it to me to read it, why not? I love yeah, a bit. I mean, let us know how it goes. Let us know. I love a bit of film chat. Yeah, I love a bit of film chat. So ultimately, if you enjoy if you enjoy writing film essays, like. Start a site, man. Start publishing. Yeah. Obviously, if it's to do with your course, maybe you can't publish them publicly, but like, still do them outside of the course because you know it's worth doing, isn't it? Yeah. If you like, so if you like talking about pop culture nonsense, if the kind of message you want to write, just just start a film blog. Why not? Um, Go for it. Bonus question. <laughs> what is your favorite app? Mine is Color Switch, but then I do have. 154,537 stars! Jesus you, Christ! That is... 
you might as well have been talking Greek. <laughs> I have no idea what any of that means. Um, and I don't think I use a particular app enough for it to be a... Fa- Apps are like tools. And if you ask me to pick my favourite tool out of a toolbox, oh, I'm not going to bring out a spanner and start stroking it, am I? Really. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I, I only really use apps as tools. They're not. You should, you should never like talk down to your tools. You know, you should never talk you'll, down to your tools. You'll upset. But them. they're below me. You don't want to bring the hammer down. And I'm so tall. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Right, um, that's it. We're done. Yeah, we're done. We, we're, do, we're done in general. It's over. We are done, Cheadle. I think is the phrase the kids fucking, aren't using yet. That was the worst do. fucking joke you've ever told. I'm fucking going. It's, and it's my house and I'm leaving. Yeah, but, oh, that is... Oh, but what time do I need to feed your cat? Tell the people where they can hear from again. You can hear from us on the Twitter, Big Dab Cast, of course, on the Big Dab channel on YouTube. If you want to get in touch with us at all times, you may do so. BigDabContact at gmail.com. I said I said a BigDabContact at gmail.com. How are We'll be back next week with another podcast forward. Till then! <laughs>